0: Hello, and welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 22, Village Seasons. This is the show where we talk about board gaming and all that other fun stuff that we love in this hobby. My name is Rob, and with me today in the center ring is my co-host, Jeff.
1: Yes, and I'm super excited because this is going to be the best episode 22 that we've ever done.
0: Yes. So this week, we've got some big hitter or reasonably uh, big hitter games on our discussion plates. So uh, you all ready to get started, Jeff?
1: I sure am.
0: Okay, let's rock it. Okay, so let's start up with a couple quick notes that we want to make before we get on with the show. We just want to make a a quick little correction from the last show and an update from the last show. Uh, First off, uh, the game that I was talking about last show is called Water Lily, not Lily Pad. (laughs) There are Lily Pads in the game, but the game is Water Lily. And then uh, we also got a little bit of an update from Lee Capel, which is uh, one of the designers of Revolver 2. And uh, he wrote us a little note kind of answering some of the questions that we had that were kind of open from our discussion amongst ourselves. And what Lee wrote is uh, the publisher was looking to expand the Revolver universe and wanted us to do a game set in the same fictionalized Old West, hence the same theme. However, we didn't want to do a simple reskin so we feel that the changes tell a complete different story as well as giving the game a different feel and tempo. Interest- interestingly, when knocking around ideas for the theme to a revolver, Mark did toy with setting it as a generic Space Marines type Woo-hoo. of affair, but the Old West was a theme that hadn't been used much up until then. Oh. And I, you know, I guess it really isn't used much at all, really.
1: And I called some of the other ones because yeah. he, he says other themes or other ideas tossed around were a dungeon crawl, World War II, as well as a castle siege. I didn't see that one coming. That would be cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, this, this game just amazes me so much how it just oozes theme. You wouldn't think that a card game would do that, but it's just fantastic. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, the minigame, actually, we, we talked briefly about the minigame uh, which was kind of a surprise to me because I didn't. Know well, I, I did actually say it
1: correctly when I when I first said it. I said that it was I, I had read the line off BGG, but then I started talking about um, ways of char- of choosing start players as kind of an aside, and I yeah. I, I, I um, definitely didn't mean to imply that the mini game was meant to choose the start player. It actually does far far more than that. So
0: oh yeah. So he writes the mini game at the start is something we're both really proud of. It isn't a device to choose the start player, but one that sets up the rest of the game as well as kicking off the story. The eventual winning side of the minigame determines the starting three locations of the game, but there are decisions to be made. Do I play my best cards and hope to win and get an easier time at the start? Or do I play weaker cards and get to apply their effects uh, to the rest of the game, such as powering up later locations, starting with more cards, etc.? It's a bluffing game with incomplete knowledge, as well as a chance for the Padre to play his cheating cards. Right.
1: And so that that is a- absolutely super cool. Um, I mean, even, and that's actually more detailed than I had had when I said so in the last episode. Yeah. So um, that's very encouraging. I also had read and seen there's going to be a third purpose to each card where you can use it for like ammunition or what was it, dynamite or something like that. And so now you have more decisions to be made with how you play an individual card. Oh, yeah. And that, and that, was, a, that was another real quick aside on the first Revolver 2. That was another thing, too, I found. The first time you play it, you, you kind of get this card and you just figure, like, any cards in your hand that you can play, you play. But as, as you look at it more, you start realizing, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe there's more to be gained by, um, by playing it, by saving it and playing it later. So, I don't know. I'm uh, just seeing what they did in Revolver 1. I think uh, this uh, really looks to improve upon it even further so really
0: yeah because you know cool. like you had said the the first couple times that i played it, it was just basically you know play the best card that i got you know right now for this particular battlefield and as i played more games that's where i started seeing like hey there's actually like a whole new scope of the game that you know isn't apparent well you know, like right the, the i think it, it just, was the one cool.
1: was there was like a card that you just takes a random card out of your opponent's hand right and it, so at 1st it feels like well okay right. why not just throw that down now but what you really want to do is, because as I play more, I realize, well, you your hand limit is really unlimited, and you want to save up some of the really powerful cards for towards the end. Well, there's times in the game where your hand kind of becomes much smaller. The chances when your hand oh, is smaller sure. that the, the cards you have in your hand are really good ones is, I think, exponentially greater. That's the point when the opponent, when your opponent wants to play that card that takes a card out of your hand, because the likelihood that he's going to take that really good one is so much greater. So there is timing and decisions, I think, that... Um, at first it seems like you just you just play whatever you can type of game and that's definitely the wrong way to approach these games so uh, i and i and i love that in revolver 2 they took that further and add, you know adding symbols or a third use to each card so now there's more just tension points as i like to call it so i'm um, definitely um with between the mini game and all of that and the, the other parts this sounds like a really um, interesting one and uh, we'll have to definitely keep an eye on where they take the rest of the series i'd love to see the castle siege or the space marine rethemes yeah, thanks, that'd be uh,
0: definitely cool. Thanks yeah. for maybe all the. Maybe uh, they'll come in different colored boxes. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> we'll run out of colors. <laughs> the blue lucky, and so. purple and and whatnot. So, uh, for those of you that are also interested, uh, there was a designer diary on BGG that got posted this week. Uh, it's yeah, I think got, the same
1: day we posted our podcast. In fact, it. Oh yeah, yeah. There,
0: so. And uh, there's a huge, huge uh, write up in there between Mark and Lee. And it's yep, uh, a really interesting read. I found it very informative. So okay, uh, that's a quick update on Revolver 2. Thanks, Lee, for uh, sending us some feedback and uh, letting us do an update for our listeners.
1: Along similar lines, we've actually got quite a few comments on our website, in email, and so forth from a lot of designers. So it's, it's uh, neat to see that they've been listening to our podcast too and are curious what our thoughts and opinions on. We've had... Everyone from Jay Little with X-Wing, Jim uh, Pinto with Dominare, and... uh, Yeah, you said it right. Did I?
2: Yes, you did. Yay, yay. Good one
1: start. I mean, more than I I can even uh, remember. uh, Quite quite a few, um, of course, most of those games were games we said positive things for. So we have got a couple questions or comments, too, from games that we were less than positive on. One in particular that I haven't otherwise answered answered before that I figured I might answer on the show was from Seth Jaffe,
0: Jaffe, Jaffe.
1: Jaffe. Okay, it was from Seth Jaffe, so uh, hopefully that's how you pronounce it, and uh, he had found our little segment on uh, episode 18, Feedback Attack, where, uh, where I was talking about comments he had actually made on BGG about the game Ground Floor we had we had a, we had a uh, feedback from a user who said they'd actually traded away the game because of my my comments on the two-player game not being good and uh, so so Seth had said he uh, must have missed the original comments I made on the game but uh, but he, but he w- wonders about the, the comment I was referring to um, that he had made so he goes on to quote what he has in a, currently for his comments on on the game on BGG, and and basically uh, uh, you know I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that that hasn't been changed and such, and perhaps I misread it. But actually, uh, what's interesting about that is, so even if we discount the fact that he, basically what I was saying is it looked like he was aware that there was a two-player issue with the game. Um, But let's discount that and go to the rest of what he says, as he's quoted it even on our website. And it says, I'll take his word for it. It looks like if uh it looks like BGG tags your last update, so it says two fourteen two thousand twelve, which I, I guess means he couldn't have edited it. so but if we take it as it's written and um, it, let's say it wasn't the two player part a comment that I was um thinking about. But looking at the rest of the sentence, that's probably what I was remembering, and it says specifically, hard to tell if it still takes too long with four players though so i think that still drives my point home in terms of here here is still a public admission that someone you know pretty involved in the company that that puts out the game if not highly involved uh was aware that the game was really too long and if i don't know rob if you remember that my comments on that
0: game do you it's all fuzzy to me
1: okay well basically ground floor it was a game i didn't i didn't mention a lot of positives because the positives to me were more of the meh type of is that is that how you say that meh 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 Meh. uh you know a variety so i mean you know um but basically the negatives i'd given was i thought it was awful with two players because there was one part of the game that was stripped out by even the rules and there was a lot of other games that normally have a lot of competition and you know you just think uh think about the average kind of market game and there's economic stuff to the game, and you know you're competing on advertising and marketing, and there just there wasn't there was no real all of what was great about the game just didn't exist in the two-player game, and the and the ones I did play two-player with really just came away hating the game, where I, I actually was almost trying to defend the game to them saying well no it really is much better when you play with more, but that aside out of the, outside of the two-player comment which was maybe where I incorrectly remembered Seth's input, every other complaint I had about the game was about it being too long. And these micro, basically the workers are, instead of workers, they're each turned into micro cubes that manage individual chunks of time. And so everything is, you can actually, in some cases, you're playing one little sub-component of a worker and going back around the table. For six players, you'd go six times and you play another one. And you think of all of the plays, it just, it really drags out the game, even with an average amount of analysis paralysis. And so looking at his own comment back on 214 2012, he says... It worked well, but hard to tell if it still takes too long with with four players. And I'm, I'm kind of saying I don't think they ever solved that issue. Um, everything I, I didn't like about the game is because it's way, way too long for what it was. And that combined with the fact that the two-player game didn't work well, I, w- I was basically using this game as an example of a game where, to of a larger point of, I think it becomes the case now where everybody's trying to make these games that accommodate everything. You know, every player count and has this perfect time that everybody wants to see, which is a, a small number. So they just, you know, put, you know, one through 18 players on the box and 30 minutes because that makes everybody happy. Right. It's like, Oh look, I've got 18 friends. We can all play and Oh look, it'll only take 30 minutes. So it's, you know, um, that, that's what I'm just sort of sounding off about in, in this game is that I don't think there would be anything wrong with saying it's a three through five player game. And you know what, darn it. It's a, you know, four hour game. 240 minutes or something or 180 minutes or whatever. So what do you say, Rob? Do you see that problem?
0: I'll I'll go with that. We'll go with that. (laughs) What, what he said. Well,
1: you can't say you've, you've never played a game with a player account where you're, where you realize it's suboptimal to, to what the experience would be with more.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get some games, they don't work at all with two player, you know, it's, it's like auction games, for example. I think those kind of games, most of them, definitely, don't. right, right,
1: like like Kai does, Keispecker, something
0: like that, Keispecker, sure,
1: whatever the, the, the Feld that, game, the Feld game worked pretty good with two, but yeah, you're right, most of them don't, and yet some of them will still claim to play with that, two, and that's ridiculous.
0: You know, Speckstadt is is an is it's an extreme uh, rule breaker. <laughs> We'll see, but because I'll, i game, but it works no, with two players normally. It, but it claim- doesn't,
1: but it doesn't work that well with two players until the expansion. Cause I'll be the first right. to admit that it's, it's all right with two, but my love of the game is, is from having experienced it with more and, and, and you know what, that's an excellent point because like so the Spiker shot, if you were only ever going to play it with two and the expansion did not exist, I don't know if I can fully recommend it or if I would fully have appreciated it if I hadn't played it with more. And then just because I love the game so much, when I do get to play it with two, I still get enjoyment from it. But I'm thinking as much about the other experiences and and all of that. And then now with the expansion, that kind of perfects the two-player game. But here's a game ground floor. Even if you go on BGG now, there's only eight voters, soon to be nine, because I'm going to vote here. But those eight voters seem to agree, recommended with three, four, and five. Best with four. Okay. Um, So... No one said recommended with six or... T- or Well, here, let's do results. That's a limited sampling here, but... You know, six. Not recommended. Uh, you know, two people. Uh, only one recommended it. So... Um, but, hey, you know what, what? What can I say? But still, the results say recommended with three, four, and five. So, you know, Seth was kind of given a little bit of a challenge of what's not great about it with two players. Well, most... It seems like uh, not... You know, there's certainly... I'm not the only one out there that thinks this doesn't play well with two. So. Okay. so I don't, I don't know what more can be said about that. That's Hey, that's just my opinion. Um, know, I think the point of it was if the theme appeals to you and you're somewhere in the three or four player range on average, then, you know, this, this may well be worth checking out, but it's, it's not a game for those that are primarily going to play with two like that one listener. So I still stand behind that recommendation. Sorry. Seth and David short and uh you know apologies to their um mothers and children's and cousins and aunts and anyone else who uh, you're gonna edit takes, that takes out, offense. right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I got I I need to put a choker on you. And <laughs> not the kinky kind, the dog kind. <laughs> yeah, because po- I talked too long.
1: <laughs> talk too long. All right, so on a, on a more positive note, uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback through uh, different channels. A lot of times people are sending me uh, just through geek mail uh, feedback. And I wanted to, I got to go back a while on some of these, but I wanted, there was one that I remembered that I wanted to share. And of course now I'm having a hard time finding it amongst all of them. So this one comes from a Danish listener, which I thought was uh, worth sharing because we hadn't shared any um, feedback from any foreign listeners. Uh, it seems like um, the email doesn't cross the pond these days or something like that. So, in any case, this one just says, Hi, Jeff and Rob. I'm really, really enjoying your podcast. Not only is the quality of sound and content great, but you also managed to maintain a steady release schedule for the episodes. Anyway, I wanted to write you, Jeff, to let you know that I do not think you come off as jaded or elitist. I quite appreciate the fact that you are very. Discerning in your likes and dislikes, and that you don't think that all new games are great. To me, there are too many podcasters and video reviewers that hype every new game to the point of almost seeming like advertising than reviews. I greatly prefer your more critical approach to the vast amount of board games out there. Keep the episodes coming. And uh, that was from a Danish listener. So, uh, two things there. First, if you're uh, across the pond, uh, send us some feedback. <laughs> I'd like to we'd like to hear. when I mean, we see some stats, we have ways of checking these things and we we do see that there's people out there listening in other countries and such. Um but we'd definitely like to hear from you. And just uh to find out, you know, who um who just found our podcast on accident and, and who's actually a fan. <laughs> and then second second, since I actually received this one a little while ago, I wonder if uh I wonder if anyone's got a different view in the last couple of shows, because I realized the other day, um there's quite a new, a few new games that I really love, that I really like, that I'm really having fun playing. In fact, there, in some cases there's been less games to talk about because I'm spending more time playing games I've got even more than I I had some of the ones that I wasn't enjoying as much. Right. So, I mean, just you think about everything in our Gen Con podcast and, you know, even the last one, the vast majority of the games, uh, even the games that we played at Gen Con, I think every last one of them I actually had fun playing, even Urbania or Urbania that we didn't exactly love i still had fun playing it there wasn't any game i played that i just kind of came away hating like oh wow that was a terrible terrible game
0: and you know one thing i was thinking about for that game because you know both of us were kind of lukewarm on it i really was wondering if that's a game that kind of grows on you after a little while the the, the problem with playing at a con is it's just it's not the right environment to really get in and hunker down and enjoy a game because well partly you don't know who you're going to be you know stuck with at the table.
1: Well, that's, that's part of it. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's always, I mean, we put in the caveat, Hey, that, that opinion, that lukewarm opinion was after Mm -hmm. just one play, but. And you get rushed too. It's because the situation that happened to me is, is one of my pet peeves. I hate when that happens. I hate when I, somebody randomly draws a card and because of the way everyone else played, you just score a bazillion points and the very next card would have scored you zero. That, that that it's that extreme. And that's more than enough to sway who won the game. And I don't, I don't know that I need to play a game 10 times to to find out, you know, if it happens once, that's too many times. The game. Now that said, somebody else maybe they could play nine times and have that never happen. You know, maybe it's one out of ten games, and it just happened to happen in my first one. And I, I did admit that there is. I think there, is, with if everyone at the game were skilled, and and here's a quick aside. I want your opinion on this, Rob. Okay, because I think you could you could. um Well, in any case, okay. What's up? What I was going what I was going to say is if everybody at the table for that game were skilled and experienced, then maybe because you in that particular game you have to play the card to actually score it. Maybe maybe there's a way that that gets offset. But the challenge was and I, there was a thread that was started on BGG about should you judge should reviews be done of games after just one play? And now we've always made an effort to state if we're doing it after one play, which really I don't even think we call them reviews. I call them discussions in our index, but or like uh, a
0: first look almost. Yeah, that we're, we're so,
1: really even when we go in length it's really a discussion, right? Because we're not talking through the rules and doing all the other things that everybody else seems to think needs to be included in a review. But in any case, when we're discussing a game, should should we invoke an opinion after just one play? And somebody made a a great point, uh, besides the consensus that as long as you say that, it's okay. But uh, how many gamers and groups out there really have the ability or the benefit with multiplayer games of always having people that have played the game multiple times. I mean, I, I and, and therefore, if someone's going to be experiencing it for the first time, I mean, isn't it, that alone means that, you know, you're you're kind of going to repeatedly have that hurdle to get over. If a game is just awful on the first play and the second play and the third play, nobody's going to enjoy this game until they've played it eight times. You guys just don't understand. You have to play it more, you know? And, and then conversely to that, then the, also the just thing is, do you really want to go through that? I mean, when you're trying to sell your wife on a game and saying, no, no, honey, this this it's really good. Just come on, you're going to play it another time. Okay, you're learning. Okay, let's play it a third time. No, trust me, when we get to five plays, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. You're going to see that yeah, it's a good five, game.
0: At five plays, you'll <laughs> finally get it. It'll click. Does
1: that really work for a large number of people out there? Are they, I mean, I, I see, I, I, I've always argued that that's for people... And there's nothing wrong with this, but, you know, if you if you can only afford a couple of games, and, and that's, you know, you, it's because, because, darn it, I, I spent 50 bucks on this game, and, and I, I have no choice, because I only have, I only bought three this year or something, and this is all I've got to play, because I'm, I'm, you know, burnt out on the ones I did have, because I played those 90 times, and then you kind of force yourself through it, and then over time as much from familiarity, right? And I'm, I mean, I have a million analogies for this, but it's kind of like when you, when you... And this is going to be an insulting one, but when you show your three-year-old a, a, a bad kids movie versus a good one, you know, the, the kind that they're not interested in and they kind of wander away and just play with toys. <laughs> but if you put it on yeah. again and then they kind of look a little bit and, they're you know, the, the bad song sounds sort of familiar and, you know, and then they turn around and play with toys. And if you keep putting it on and you keep putting it on, you know, it's, at some point because kids, you know, like repetition at some point, they they basically take to it, and it's it's like now they like this movie because they they know it and they know what's happening, and they, they know they, they notice other things going on in the movie. But it, it really it could it basically works with any movie. That terrible analogy. Do you see what I'm no, at least not getting at, all. at there? Okay, I, I mean was I funny think was actually as a was, parent
0: you can appreciate it, but what's funny is I was actually going to make a similar analogy. Oh <laughs> using really? Adults oh. And, and kids. Okay. But, you know, but where, that's actually, let, you know, let me give you mine real quick. Okay. Just for giggles. Is when you've got a child, a child will, and, and I'm speaking from experience, I've, I've got a four-year-old boy. So, As do I. Yeah. So, you know, when, you know, I give him a movie, let's say like Cars 2, he'll sit there and he'll watch it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Whereas an adult will have, you know, they'll watch a TV show, hopefully. then a movie, then... Ho- hopefully. Then they'll go watch another TV show. I mean, we're in the you know world of on demand and Netflix and you know, yeah. blockbuster, Redbox. You know, but that's also because you channels. can. Now imagine uh, exactly. if you
1: didn't. If you didn't have five hundred channels and you all you had was one channel, and you know it may right. not be the best show, but it's the show you've got, and you learn to appreciate the subtleties of it. And because you're intimately familiar with it, then you you appreciate it in a way that others don't because they do dismiss it immediately because they have access to better ones or have just opted even out of blind luck for better ones, perhaps yeah. I don't, I, I think there's an, uh, a discounted element of that in, in some of what happens out there. And, yeah. uh, and I, oh, oh. I, I don't, I don't, I don't personally like to force myself to like a game. If I dislike it the first time I may well be done with it unless I see at least a glimmer of hope that a second play. And that often happens where I dislike it, but I still see there's a chance and then I'll give it the second play, and then it, again it has to improve. It can't just be that same little glimmer. I have to see the glimmer expand a little bit, and then I'll continue. But if if at whatever point you know the, the light goes out, I'm done. Yeah. It's just there's too many. I mean, there's so many games out there. Why force yourself uh, on, on something like that? So, so yeah. And uh, just to also throw it out there. Um, been making a little bit more of an effort to post some forum topics uh, related to uh, topics we discuss on the show heck maybe this is another good one i'll put out there uh, just to in- encourage some feedback and uh, uh, you know the, the the whole community aspect again i think i've said it before but when you post something on regular bgg it's great but you lose that sense of who anybody is because so many people are posting now in just the general areas um, you know there'll be 90 posts in between so i kind of like the whole guild uh, aspect and Um, getting to know listeners and vice versa and uh, what other people's opinions and takes are on some of these topics that we discuss and so forth so there's one out there on solo gaming now um, that's got some great input from listeners Um, I threw out a a ticket to ride question too where I I talked about what's accepted and not in our last show and uh, perhaps some other ones and you know feel free to start your own too so we encourage that and uh, we'll you know likely in some cases that'll that'll turn into stuff we discuss on the show or maybe a game we
0: review even. so For sure. And we've also got a uh, Twitter account that we just set up and haven't really done a whole lot with it. Maybe this is something that we can also use to get some more, you know, community feedback from. So, you know, look towards the next show or two and we'll figure out what we can do with those.
1: You know, give us some feedback too on what you like to use. I mean, are you guys a Facebook users Are you like Twitter? Uh, You stick to the forums, email. Do you like to, to to write letters, uh, you know, cut, Letters out of newspapers and, and, and glue them, you know, whatever it is that you like to, however you like to send, uh, communications you know, smoke signals, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll try to accommodate. Okay. And, and thanks everyone for the feedback.
0: Thanks much. Okay.
1: All right. And, and moving on to our TBGL gold medal board game winner of the week. Oh, that's a we- mouthful. Yes. That was the intent. Uh, once again, I'll see if Rob, if you can guess what the, what the <laughs> game is
0: okay um, last
1: last week it was africana for anyone who missed okay. it it's it... a particularly exceptional game and i oh, know i'm gonna give you a little hint here so africana you were you were thinking last week you were thinking you know africa continent or whatever so this would be sure right the yeah. uh this game is what people in africa might live in
0: a hut and there's
1: no game called hut
0: <laughs> well they live in no, huts.
1: no good game oh true if even i
0: guess one game that's been pretty popular lately that kind of could fit that is um, the game by the Brand family, uh, Inca and Marcus Brand, and it's called Village.
1: Ah, yes, that is exactly, it that's a exactly a village. Nominee Af- for spiel, wasn't it? Aren't there African villages? Uh, maybe my geography terminology is off. I live in a village. Uh, yeah,
0: that's true. That's it's true. technically a village. I'm not really sure what. <laughs> I might live in a
1: city. I don't recall now. No, I think I live in a village. How does that work?
0: I mean, there's what? Cities, towns, villages? I
1: I think it all had to do with the size when it was first incorporated or something like that. Because I know now the village I live in is one of the largest ones around. So it probably should be a city by any other definition.
0: Hmm. I don't know. So, you know, if people are interested, they can look at their water bill, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. see who it goes to mine goes to village of Woohoo. anyway yeah, moving on off
1: topic okay so congratulations village yeah so this game um, is, is one now that's um, received some negative acclaim perhaps after the negative dice tower review um, so you, everybody probably knows everything they need to know already if you're all dice tower oh, fans
0: it was negative really oh yeah yeah, you, you missed it. Yeah, I, I, I did not check it out. I mean that I think just came out within the last couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe it was At least Tom this Vassel. Recording.
1: Yeah. Tom Vassel himself who said uh, this is just another boring cube pusher.
0: Oh, in other words, it's just not for him. And it's hey, for everybody heck, else. Heck, okay. I've
1: said I've said that about games before, but not this one. So I I'm absolutely the guy that that hates these Euro games that are themeless and you push around cubes and convert cubes to other cubes and There's nothing interesting or unique. Come on, you know, we've had too many of these. They're all stacked up in my closet to be sold. Do I need another one if it's called Village? Answer? We already know the answer, right? Yes. I love this game. It's great. So, um, do you know why?
0: Why you love this game?
1: Yeah, what do you think I love about this game?
0: Outside of the cubes... Uh, could it have something to do with the fact that your workers or your people die, and just the time mechanic is maybe something yeah, like
1: that? Yeah, yeah, You're 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 pretty good there. So um, you read my mind. Well, that's there's many things actually. Uh, I mean, funny enough. Well, let's go with that one. So yeah, the first largest reason is probably anyone else is who's a fan of the game. Um, and um, I actually, I talked about this in the solo thread that this was one of the games I've. I've and apparently, they don't count as solo plays, but I had started playing it to learn the game because I for whatever reason and the rules are they're not that long, but I just wasn't making heads or tails reading through the rule book. It's maybe eight pages or or so, twelve pages. It's a um, good sized rulebook. Yeah, book. so it's it's a it's a pretty meaty game compared to some. Yeah. And so I had set it up as I often do with games then of that weight and started just sort of playing through a turn to learn it. And what I quickly well, what I didn't actually quickly realize, I actually went through a couple turns um, and what there is is there's cubes that you take to do you know do things in classic cube fashion, but then there's these plague cubes, these black cubes. And oh yeah. Mm-hmm. As you take the black cubes, you move a marker around a time track that basically kills your oldest family member. And, and the so, time
0: track is on your individual player board.
1: Exactly. And so it's immediately obvious i guess that you like you wouldn't want to take the black cubes not only do the black cubes not convert into any goods or any other things like the other cubes do but they kill your guys so they're doubly bad correct not so much and so that's the thing i learned you know maybe halfway through the game that hey there's actually times when you want to take the black cubes and you want to kill your guys and that is really neat that's that tension point that I always, you know, talk about is you want these tension points in the game where at one point I want my people to live. I want to be getting good influence cubes that I can convert into useful things, but at the exact same time I need to kill people <laughs> essentially, or let them die off. And the reason is because there's this book, um, that, um, is, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, it's, it's, it's the, uh, village chronicle. So this is this little space, this little book on the board which is the history of your little village. So who were the great politicians? who were the great artisans? who were the great monks in the church? Uh, who were the great explorers and, and what have you, the great farmers? Uh, these, you know, these are all recorded for all of history in uh, this village chronicle. Well, as is the case with much of history, The most renowned, the most famous are always the first, right? I mean, who was that? That the father of uh, America, you know, or the, is that what they call history? Are you asking? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't remember. What was his name? Mike, Fred, Fred, something like that. Wally. Yeah. Wally or whoever the, you know, the founding fathers of America were, you know, everybody knows these guys. Yeah. Was it George or was it If I'm wrong, you're going to edit this out, right? I think it was George Franklin. Georgia Frank, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there was like Ben, um, Ben Lincoln or something George like that. Bush. No, no, Abraham Lincoln. He was the vampire killer in any case. So you, know, people remember that, you know, the original vampire killers and stuff like that, you know, that go down in the, in the books. And so the idea is that's why you want to die first. That's why you want your people, um, you know, killed off in those individual categories. So, and there's only so many spots. So maybe, maybe it's filled up for, all of the farmers so now you know there's no real benefit those the guy the further people who die just go into unmarked graves and at the same right. time so you have that where you and obviously you get lots of points from from being those uh, famous people but it, it's also a time uh, mechanic in terms of the clock for the game so the game ends when either all the the village chronicle is is full or the last anonymous grave is taken um, so you so you kind of have these three things going you know keeping Beneficial things happening in the game, getting points by letting older people die off and and filling the chronicle. And then based on how you feel you're doing in the game, kind of controlling the pace of the game. And, okay, I want to end it sooner because I'm ahead or I need it to go a little slower because I feel like I need to catch up and so forth. So that that uh, the tension point, the three way tension point there is absolutely excellent, um, perfectly well done and, and really took me a first play to have any idea of how that even worked. Um, which ended up being a great thing because then when I first taught the game, I could kind of explain that and the game makes a lot more sense. And that's a lot more fun to play that first time if you kind of understand uh, how that all works.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And
1: so then on top of it, and it's maybe it's an odd comparison, but it's a little (laughs) Trajan-like in terms of there's all these different areas on the board that you sort of do different things with. But unlike Trajan, I actually found the theme here worked a lot better. I mean, to me, it sort of does feel like you're running your own little village and you've got, you know, you actually have a career for each of your people. You know, you start with uh, the, you know, the oldest ones, which have a little one on the meeples, four of those guys. right? And then, you know, then they have children and those children may go to work. and, And at some point, maybe one of the the originals, you know, passes away, and then you know the, the twos have threes, and the threes have fours, and it's you know the, the little, little story you know plays out. I mean, yeah, it's a euro, so the you know theme isn't like super super deep, but as well themed as as any other worker placement game, in, in my opinion, um, you know they they can travel around, and there's a way to earn points there, and um, much like Trajan, you know you don't you re- can't really do one thing only. But at the same time, there's benefit to kind of going deep in whatever you are doing because it sort of becomes exponentially better in in points and never enough to do everything. And there's a market. So the the same things that you can do to be more efficient, you can turn around and sell them at these different market stalls, which there's actually futures tiles that you can see as you're going through things. Uh, You 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 have your own little player card. uh, And it's sort of a reverse worker placement game in terms of you don't actually place your worker. What you really do is you take a cube, an influence cube off of a space, which is what then lets you take an action on that space. And because of that, now that's an interesting decision too, because it's, okay, I really want to take this action, but I need a certain color cube. And the color cube I I want isn't on that action. It's on a different action. So now do I take the action I didn't really want to take because I get the cube I want? Or do I go ahead and take the action I want to take and take a less desirable cube? You see see where I'm going with, with these points here yep and and that's that's the mark of an excellent game is it's set up in such a way that you have those those tension points those those good decisions trade-offs between what it is you want to do what you what you can do um it's it's not a game that feels frustrating like there's just it's there's so much of a lack of what you need to accomplish that you, you feel like you're not getting anywhere with anything um but again you know they just they still um you know that dilemma the dilemmas that are constantly presented and in fact even like with the artisans there's you can go and for more time you can learn the trade and uh, then much more cheaply produce horses or oxen or wagons or whatever it might be or with the right goods you can just buy that stuff outright and and not kind of commit and so which way are you going to go there and are you going to try to turn that in you know churn out wagons so that you can go uh, you know, send the youngins uh, exploring out to the, you know, uh, trading to the different cities uh, out beyond the wall and, um, you know, so on and so forth. So it's, a, I just really enjoy the way this game is set up and find it to be very unique uh, for me from other worker placement games of which I've played probably pretty much all of them because worker placement is admittedly one of the types of games I do tend to enjoy more on average. Uh, but where some of the newer ones might feel stale and the same old, stuff and you know pushing around cubes and whatnot I found this one to be completely the opposite I just very very refreshing for me uh, very interesting I still I enjoy each time I play it more than the last also plays excellently with two I didn't find any problems with that um, I didn't think it played any better with three or four it seems to just play good with all player counts but I do definitely enjoy it uh, just I played it a couple times with my wife now with two uh, you put out less cubes so it's one of those that it's sort of tuned self-tuned there's less cubes there's less spaces in the chronicle there's less empty graves so the timing ends up being perfect um the game doesn't overstay its welcome time-wise uh you know it says 45 minutes on the on the box that's uh, you know seems to be pretty accurate uh, once you're familiar with the game anyway so yeah i just in all ways very worthy of board game winner of the week if not more so
0: yeah, it's and it's building. it's won you know quite a few little awards or oh, nominations yeah, it, too because it
1: it should it really should win like a big award like uh I don't know like a Spiel days uh, Desjardes. Kenner Kenner des desjardins
0: Kenner Spiel
1: Kenner it, it really should win a Kenner Spiel award I think I think it's good enough for that
0: it should you win. do okay good yeah <laughs> didn't it win yes trying to make
1: was trying to make a poor joke yeah
0: you did yeah it fell flat. <laughs> Not only was it nominated, it also won. Yeah,
1: well, and, and I believe well-deserved. So um, i not overhyped in my book. Uh, well worth it.
0: Go get it. I'm just looking at some of the awards that it won. It won the uh, Spiel. There was an International Gamers Award where it's a general strategy multiplayer nominee. Maybe it didn't win there. But at least again, But,
1: but mean, none of those mean as much as the yeah. TBGL gold medal board game oh, winner of the sure, week award. Oh, for sure, sure.
0: And it also won another award for the Deutscher Spiele and how to say it, it's price uh, best family adult game winner. So these yeah. are all awards in 2012 this year. But,
1: but they like anything, and I like nothing. So
0: it means more. Yep. When well, I like it, <laughs> and I like it. So that was Village. I've got a quick little note that I want to add for. Um, uh, the component junkies out there and actually anybody who buys this game and wants to set it up. Here's a little kind of tipper uh, for the game. And that's that, oh, the thing that kind of sets this game apart from a lot of other games is, uh, there's a lot of little wooden people in this game and you have to put stickers on them. Yeah. So there's a large sticker sheet. Uh, I think it's like eight and a half by 11 size. So letter paper, I don't know if it's another size, but it's, it's roughly around that size. It's got a ton of these little teeny tiny clear uh, mm-hmm. uh, stickers that you have to put on both sides of of the people. So I struggled with it. I mean, not that I've got huge um, Andre the Giant fingers, but but <laughs> They are it's, pretty it's small hard. stickers it's and they go on hard. in a
1: triangular fashion or, well, a uh, diamond
0: yeah, fashion. Yeah, they're, they're diamonds and you have to yeah. line them upright. So here's a little tip for everybody, just in case you don't have the game yet and you pick it up. Uh, just uh, you know, go and raid your wife's uh, little makeup chest or whatnot. You know, wherever she keeps her makeup, and find some tweezers, and then use the tweezers to attach the sticker to the little figure. Because then yeah, you actually, can perfectly align if you,
1: it. Uh, if you turn the figure slightly sideways to where you're really putting it on as a square instead of as a diamond, there's just something mentally that allows you to line it up a little easier.
0: Or use tweezers.
1: If you have a wife that has tweezers.
0: Yeah. Or go buy some. <laughs> you just dropped 50 bucks or whatever on this game. To spend I, $3 a, and buy take some Take a tweezers. marker
1: and put a number on there. I mean, really, do you really need the, the stickers <laughs> anyway? So.
0: And one thing that was kind of silly was, uh, what? there were those, um, what are they, priest figures? Those, the, the black ones? Yeah, there's, there's like, four, oh, four oh, that's, them. yeah,
1: they have blank stickers because when you're feeling in the bag, that's the way you can't feel and know that it's the black one.
0: Oh, so, okay. so I, I actually, I,
1: I should point this out real quick because it is another feature I like about the game. Um, so there's a couple, there's two other little tricks to the game that I want to point out in terms of the living and dying thing. One is when you're, most of these are like tracks that. So if you go into uh, like the politician's area or the or the or the chapel. The further you move your guy along it, the more points you're going to score at the end of the game. But if, if your guy dies off and the ones have to die before the twos and the twos before the threes and stuff, then he's not going to be around to score any points. He doesn't score any points if he's in the ground, right? So there is this, um, interesting timing or sort of pacing again that you have to learn with the game to where right now I need to accomplish something today and tomorrow, because this guy is not going to be around to score points, I have to really kind of wait for a three or a four to try to push them that far, and I need to kind of do something else with these other guys. But at the same time, there's other ways to sort of trick out the system because you can bury some guys in this bag that eventually become, um, you know, uh, priests or monks or whatever in the in the church, but they get to, try to kind of drawn out randomly. Now you can pay money to have them fished out on purpose, which is another interesting tension point. But you can actually have these older guys in the bag. And then you can kill off younger people now because th- there are no ones on the board and stuff like that. And then maybe, you know, somehow that turns into a way to, to um, you know, score more points. So there's just other different interesting things that you can kind of experiment with um, that I kind of found is like an interesting aspect of the game with the way there's a black bag and uh, there's another bag that you draw the cubes out of and such. And uh, I don't know. It just. I'm just uh, amazed at um, some of the stuff that um, designers can still find to make these games interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, even for somebody like me that's just played so many of them, and you're like, what, you know, nice little gimmick, great, but that's it's cutesy for one play or two, and then it's like, so what? Yeah. Uh, but this one's well thought out, and it wasn't just one thing, it's just the whole way every aspect of it fits together is I really like
0: it. Oh, yeah. It's very well <laughs> Enough done. Enough said. Extremely well done. <laughs> Kudos to the brands for That's making this.
1: Okay. So moving on to on the table, what we've what's hit the table lately, Rob?
0: Okay. The the first one that we want to cover is Seasons. You know, we talked about this game, uh, not a super whole lot, but uh, it was in our Gen Con uh, report.
1: And yeah. And I mentioned, I think I mentioned it last week just so we i played it some more yeah. and, and and here we go again i think we both got it played more
0: yes sir we definitely did and you know this game for me at least it does not disappoint i still love this game still enamored by it find it a whole lot of fun i love the dice and i, I think it it's also well received by our wives too
1: yeah so we played uh we played a four-player game with our wives yeah, I was kind of amazed. Like, this one really played out differently than some of the other ones I'd played. A little longer, in fact, just because we were getting um, a lot of interaction and powers and cards more so. I think just the, um, we just had a good a good game going, I think. And uh, I really found it, uh, it was kind of tense because we didn't really, at certain points, we thought one person was winning. And then we thought, you know, another, you were winning. And then I think even up to the end, uh, nobody thought I was going to pull out a victory, so... <laughs> But I did yeah, you, so just that, just barely. That's a
0: trick you pull out of your bag uh, very often, unfortunately. At least, unfortunately for me.
1: <laughs> well, because I, I I'm pretty familiar with the game, the basic set of cards at this yeah, point, and yeah. uh, you know I I was sort of looking to combo them in in a similar way that I've done in the past. It seems to work well, and so you had you had done like a different strategy that was every bit as effective. And I, I mean, the difference really came down to what seven points or something like that. And I even yeah, thought was. I, I wasn't going to pull it pull it out because I didn't I didn't think I quite had enough, but.
0: Actually, I think what, I think the, the thing that got you the the winning position was just the last couple of minutes prior to the end where you nailed me with the card that knocked my score down.
1: Yeah, there's one where you can discard a element and every other player takes like a four point hit. Right. And I'd, I'd been doing that some because I had uh, really gotten most of the cards I needed played played already. And there's a there's a card where you can trade in 20 points for 30 at the end. There's one where you score four points. I think it is for each magic card. And I had had that one saved up and I had you know, put out like seven or eight cards. So that's, that was an immense amount of points right there. And, and I forget what the other one is, but I had that one too. And so I really just had tons, tons of points, but you were churning out the um, cranking out. You had a lot of the cards that were Allowing you to transmute uh, for bonus points and otherwise uh, racking up the points that way. So it was yeah, there was the one ways. that I had
0: where it was basically at the end of a season change. I got points, or no, I am sorry, I got uh, energy.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of those, and, and then there was other, one that, other ways.
0: Yeah, there was one that if I had at least four energy in my supply, then I would get crystals. So that really helped me uh, moving along. My wife Wendy, I think definitely won the award for getting like the longest chaining combo yeah it was one turn that she took i swear it took like five minutes for her to yeah she was complaining about some of your turns so (laughs) yeah she likes to tease me about that but yeah it
1: was um it was interesting i mean it, it still felt different and uh yet we're i've still not played with the advanced card set so i mean we just keep keep finding it fun and interesting um as many times now and just playing with the regular cards and uh, I'm going to do it next time though, just, just cause I know I'm, I'm too curious. Right. I've looked at some of the cards. So the next play that I do, I'll, I'll throw those in there and,
0: and see how it goes. Oh yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, I say it all the time, but I love the dice. I mean, they are so nice, so chunky and heavy. You know, I, I really wish couriers came with dice like that. Although it would make the, <laughs> the pack, you know, the, the little tin that it came in would have been four times well, larger. Yeah. And the price would have been four times as much. And that's too, okay. You know? That's okay. <laughs> I want nice okay. dice instead of one's. That'll blow away in the wind.
1: Uh, right. well, that-
0: one one quick thing also uh, about this game. There has been a little bit of uh, people griping about the scoring track. It's, uh, you know, it,
1: it's about, what was the problem with the scoring track? I didn't perceive. So the
0: scoring track for, for those of you that haven't seen it, it's, um, you know, maybe, what'd you say about six by eight inches mm-hmm. in size approximately. And it's got some really small circles on there. Uh, they're all numbered from zero oh, to a hundred. And th- they are kind of small. Not that it's, that's a huge deal. I think they definitely could have probably made it a little larger. But uh, the, the thing that really trips people up, I guess. and Because
1: and it goes left, right, and then it, right, left. And it, no,
0: no. It, it goes left to right the entire way, doesn't it?
1: Oh, well, I was gonna say if it wasn't that way, then people would complain that it was the other well <laughs> whichever way they do it is not the way somebody expects it to be done yeah the uh the thing in, I, and I, str- I mean for me, I learned how to count you know in the in the ninth grade, so and you, you know, still use that, your fingers now that I know that- I just kind of follow around you know twenty one is after twenty. I know these things now and thirty two is after thirty one If anyone doesn't know, I can give other examples on our forums <laughs> just ask me use
0: your fingers and but, your toes.
1: Yeah, so I actually I don't typically have problems with the the score tracks, but
0: yeah, the so the score track, I mean, it it is a lot of circles all in a row, and it is kind of hard because I found myself as I was moving them around, I had to like sit there and like okay. Well, to be I fair, to I
1: have 2020 vision, so maybe it's I'm not the best one to comment on readability if in in things of that nature. So
0: I have 2020 TV show recorded <laughs> on my DVR. <laughs> That's as close as I get to 2020. All right. But uh, there is uh, an alternate um, uh, player board that somebody has made where it actually snakes. So, Yeah, or
1: just it, use a that, scoring app on your iPhone yeah. or Android device.
0: You know, it's, it's a I think, a very minor gripe, at least from my viewpoint. But, you know, if, if you want a little bit of an improvement, you can download the one, print it out, or just uh, continue to enjoy the game with the board that you get. Great point. All righty. Okay, uh, so you've got a couple more things you want to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about a, a little game called Noah, which I uh, I just kind of picked up randomly at uh, my friendly local gaming store, The Wandering Dragon. And this is made by Bombix. I don't I don't even have never even heard of this company. I guess they put out Timeline, right. And a couple of other. This is in like a, a tiny little square tin. Um, it says it's made in France. So the game, the game Noah. In any case, it's kind of a light family filler game. I guess you would say comes with a little round board with which is just a score track that goes from one to 26 and it has uh five arcs on there and, and so this is kind of you know noah's Ark themed and you're you're playing animals around uh, on the different arcs and i should say more importantly like this game was done by uh bruno cathala okay and uh ludovic Maublanc, okay so uh very
0: seasoned uh card game yeah bruno cathala especially i think most people
1: recognize his name and so you know that's kind of interesting you go okay well it's a little little simple game probably silly stupid and i gotta admit the first time i played this game you know i was very underwhelmed so this is this was in this is in that category where um when i was mentioning the little spark but i I had the little spark i saw the little spark i was like "Eh, this is not gonna be good is it and it was like this little spark. I was like, yeah, but I kind of see maybe there's this thing with... And so then I played it again, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, that, that sort of works, doesn't it? And that, that spark actually was a little bit bigger. And then I played it a third time, and I'm like, well, that that actually is kind of neat. I wonder if... And so on from there. And so then as as I played it... Um, and not to say I didn't have fun, because um, I, I generally do have fun as long as I, I feel like I can improve one game to the next. And so... Um, You know, so again, sort of skipping to the summary, I think this is actually a pretty nifty little game as a, you know, a little cheap and expensive filler game, Um, one that you could play. I mean, it's very much sort of a family game. I don't know if I could really recommend it to gamers. Um, There's definitely some strategy you can play to it. Um, I don't I don't think I've ever lost it in like nine games as much. I think I've played already. It's pretty quick to play, especially with two Uh, but, but just to get to the point, I guess the point of the game is, um, to talk about how you play it real quick. So you're going to shuffle these animals and there's males and females, you know, donkeys and pandas and cats and elephants and all that standard, standard sort of stuff. And, uh, you'll, you'll have the five arcs to start off. A random animal is going to be loaded on each of the five arcs. And then Noah's Noah's going to be placed on one of those five. You have to place on the arc that Noah's on. And what you can place is... The if there's like a, a a female donkey, okay, we'll go with something nicer. If there's a female cat, you can place Not much nicer. You can place all females on that arc. So you know it's a you know hey keep the males together, keep the females together. We don't want any monkey business. So uh, you can make that decision, and that's based on the second card plays. So there's a female cat. You play, and it actually can be any female. So you play any other female card they are blue and and pink. So you play any other pink card. Now only females can be on that arc. Or if you want to pair them up, you can play any male card. And, and apparently, uh, female cats like uh, male elephants. Uh, try to keep this clean here. Because <laughs> they can be paired up any which way. It doesn't matter. You know, male male panda with a uh, a snail, female. It doesn't really matter. As long as it goes um, blue, pink, blue, pink, blue, pink. Or all blues or all pinks. Okay. Um, so that second card really determines how that's going to be. And even that is a decision point. Because you're looking at your hand. And you're you're trying to, basically, there's only five of these arcs. So if you have a lot of males versus females or something like that, then you might want to sway them a certain way, choose different things over another, just to give you more chances that you can play the cards that you have. In addition, each arc can max out at 21. So all the elephants and and cats and stuff have uh, kind of like a size. Elephants are obviously like 10. They're like a big number. Cats are 2s and things like that. And you can't go over 21. So... Uh, if you, you know, and then the last thing is like, so after you play your card, then if you play a female, you move Noah to the left or to the right. If you play a male, you move it to one of the opposite two, and then your opponent plays on that. And so what you're trying to do is basically screw your opponent. And by looking at what they've played already or what could be played, maybe the total is 20 already on one of those arcs opposite you. So, and then maybe because of you could play a female, you could play a male, if it's no different to you, you play the male, so you send them to that one. Now they have to play a zero or a one, because if you can't play on the arc that you're that Noah's on, you have to take all the cards back that are on that arc and then play just one and start over again on that arc. Um, meanwhile, you know, basically the first player to run out uh, ends that round and you score negative points based on the cards in hand. Uh, and, and then, you know, like many of these games, you know, not unlike the game we were talking about uh, from... Michael Shocked, the uh, crazy creatures of Dr. Gloom. You know, there's certain cards that really are, are no negative points, and there's other ones that are uh, more. And so, you know, th- there's just a, a lot of interesting things like that. And then at the same time, if you play a pair, you get a free turn. So if you do match up like a a, a male panda with a female panda, now you get to go again. And so you're going to move, uh, you know, in a way that benefits you. If you score 21 and, and finish the arc, then you get to give your opponent uh, one animal for the first apartment two animals for the second, and so forth. So it's a way of, you know, ridding more cards. Okay. So it becomes very beneficial to hit that 21. And so then, again, each each game to the next, I was just finding more ways that, I, that what otherwise would seem random, can I really have influence here? And I was finding that I could. I could in lots more ways than I ever would have imagined the first game going in, and the, that the decisions actually matter a lot more than you would think, because let's say I want to set up to try to screw you. And so I place a card that puts it at a 20. So now I flip you to the other side. What I've actually potentially done is screwed myself because now you play on that one and you send me right back to that 20 that I made. Now I got to play a one or a two or I take all those cards back. So it's, it's hard. I have to, it's almost like chess-like. I have to think two moves ahead or more and go, okay, I can put the 20 here because I have a card in my hand that I know I can play if you send me back to it. I'm safe. I've got a one. I can play it here. And it's of the right, you know, uh, sex. So I'll set this up for you. Meanwhile, I'll try to, you know, I'm trying to set up the situation so that you land on it, try to limit your options, you know, maybe based on what I've seen you play, or even, you know, what's what's out on the table now, or kind of the opposite. I know I can hit 21 on this if I get back to it. So I'm going to play this particular number, swing you over there figuring you'll send me back here hopefully and then I'll, I'll get this 21 which now I can ditch this other card to you and so forth. There are some special cards in the game. Uh, the snail can be either sex so that's kind of a nice little wild card. There's a giraffe which lets you look at uh, your opponent's cards. That is really helpful because now you know oh look he's only got one female so I'll start loading up all of these arcs in a way where you can't you need to play females and you're going to take all kinds of cards back. There's a mule where you you stick on you stick to the arc that you're on. Um, there's a lion where you get to switch one card out. There's a woodpecker that pokes holes in the boat, so now it only goes to 13 instead of 21. That can really mess people up. It's just it's actually for as as light and simple as it is, it's it's pretty darn cool with two. So that's now the caveat. I think it's it is an example of one of those games that the more players you add, the more it descends into chaos. And there's really much more limited ability to kind of influence or control the decisions. That was the same with at a spiel that we that we talked a lot about, right? Right, right. Um and and now that one I liked a lot more with um, I mean I love it with 2. I liked it with 3 and with 4 I just kind of enjoyed it cuz I like the game. Noah, I don't know. I don't think it would be I haven't I've actually honestly I've only played this one with 2. But as many times as I played it with 2, I'm I'm sort of unconvinced that it would really be fun with 4. I think it would just be end up being too long because there's too much that you end up taking cards back a lot. Um, And even with two, sometimes it can seem a little longer than you maybe want it to be. But it's again, it's just because of the way that it it plays into everything. So I I really enjoyed it with two, it'd probably be okay, you know, good with three. And I think it'd probably be just kind of fluffy, light, silly, chaotic with four, you know, just just for mom, dad, grandma, that kind of thing. Um, And then I still don't think it's maybe a, a super serious game for gamers or anything like that. But um, but as a light filler and if you're certainly if you're a Bruno Cathala fan you know again after all the games i've played you know these kind of silly little ones so often are like there's no reason for this game to exist type of thing and so this one i'm i'm very impressed on that level is you know even it's not going to be for everyone but I, it's certainly i think w- well done for for the target audience that it's made for and um, i think there are there's a segment of people out there that would definitely enjoy it and you know the theme's nice too i mean for kids I think it's it's good, you know, for uh, for wives and girlfriends and stuff. It's sort of very approachable. I don't know. I, I I it was much better than I expected. So uh, you know, coming in with low expectations, uh, you know, uh, it's going to stick around for uh, for at least the meantime for me. So that was uh, Noah, by Bombix. Okay. So another game I mentioned last episode that you know after playing Atlantis Rising and enjoying it, finding it a little bit different, but ultimately you know it not being a game that we wanted to keep around. We went back and started thinking how many of these co-ops, you know, looking back at some of the co-ops we had, you know, are we really burnt out on co-ops? You know, they're not really our thing or it just been a while since we played really any of the co-ops. So I went back and played a couple, two I want to talk about today. The first one's Castle Panic. Now, this is one uh, I I know you've played, right? Yes, sir. All right. And so let's let's start with what your thoughts are. So have you played this with uh, with Wendy or, or just with your son.
0: I played uh, solo, and then I also played with uh, with Blake when... Excellent. So actually, let's talk yeah, about the solo play. it was quite play. a while ago. I mean, he was probably three and a half when we played.
1: So did you enjoy your solo play?
0: It was okay.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> so when you say okay, why, why would you say okay?
0: I found myself just going through the motions. I, I didn't really get into uh, it a whole lot.
1: Wow, and, we're kind of in sync, I think, on that. But but, but continue. So then you, I bet your son liked it, though. Just
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely loved it. I mean, he had never experienced anything quite like it, you know, granted I was basically telling him just what to do and yeah, you're kind of, it's almost like talking
1: through a story, but a story that's unfolding before you. And has a, you know, you don't know really what the outcome is going to be, you know, are they going to, are they going to sack the, the, the castle or are we going to squeak out a win? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, um, you know, actually in a, in a future show, we'll talk about in a way it reminded me of the game, the, um, victory point game. What was it? I, I lent the copy to you. Um, it's a fantasy one where people are attacking the castle.
0: The Legions of Darkness? Is, yes, is yes, right? yes.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting comparisons to that oh, one. Oh, uh, for sure. But but I'll leave that out uh, for now and we'll just talk about Castle Panic. So the first play I had done of this with, um, with Jen, my wife uh, whose name is Jen. I don't know if I, I never know if I should refer to her as my wife or if people are, are listened enough that they know who I'm talking about when I say Jen, but in any case... I
0: think you should say Jen.
1: I was having uh, a lot of fun playing it especially that very first time, too. And uh, oddly... Um, you know, so usually, if anything... Well, my wife dislikes games and I dislikes games. Sometimes we align, but this was one of the games where Jen was much less impressed with the game than I was. And I rarely am as easily convinced against a game as I am in this case. You know, I've wow. played more games than my wife, yeah. but I... And, and a lot of times uh, Jen isn't particularly detailed in her reasons for why she disliked it. She's, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't have fun, (laughs) you know, or whatever. But I was like, no, she, she said that this time. And I was like, well, what didn't you like about it? And she said, and she said it in in a way, something along the following lines where she said, you don't make any decisions in the game. And I was like, well, yeah, sure you do. You, um, uh, well, no, you, oh, and I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm like. Well, no, we... Uh, but the, <laughs> like, there's the cards. Okay. And I'm like, I was like, you've ruined it for me. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're right. And I was like, you know, I was ha- I'm having fun with a the theme. I'm having fun with the way, you know, sort of the story unfolds. And, I'm, you know, I was, of course, I was caught up in the whole uh, tabletop episode with Will Wheaton and, and uh, all the fun his group was having with it. And But then you sit back and you're like, you're right. You basically play the cards in your hand and the only decision is which one card to discard as if that isn't obvious. And and in some cases, which one card to trade, which again, is if it isn't obvious, like, okay, there's a guy, uh, you know, I need an archer blue, and does somebody have the archer blue? Because that's the guy that I need to kill. And so you either have the card or you don't. And I, maybe for the very first game, you there's these castle cards where people are probably too aggressive with playing them, and you, you kind of want to hold them back type of thing. You know, because like a monster can run wild otherwise, and there's no way to eject them without this card. But... Basically, you play what you have, you move monsters, you draw monsters, you play what you have, you move monsters, you draw monsters. There's there's really nothing to this game. Nope. Yeah. And I, I was like, there was just, I would talk about the hype and all the, you know, this, everybody, I love, 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 love this game. And, I, you know, and I, I don't think, it's not my sort of dislike of co ops, but really, the, to, this is in every way to me a kids' game. I mean, it really is just a kids' game. I don't even know that I say family game. I mean, it's just, I'm keeping it. I can't wait for my son to try it. I haven't tried it with my son i I kind of have fun playing it. you know again, the story aspect. I even have the expansion, which has some other cool stuff, I guess you know story wise like a wizard's tower and and whatnot but i I don't know that it really adds gameplay wise so so it's sort of an odd odd uh review or discussion if if you will, because in in some ways from a from an adult perspective i'm it's borderline. Broken, even <laughs> I don't even know how I would rate it. But thinking of it in terms of like a kid or you know children's audience, or as just playing it as like a, a family, like just complete family activity, not even so much game. I still think it, it's kind of neat. Like you know the components are are definitely cool, and um, you know I'm a sucker for the, the fantasy theme and all of that. And you got the little stand up castles and. The you know the boulder that rolls down is is is, is interesting oh, yeah, and neat yeah. and you know the other stuff that but those are all things that happen you know and so again as you play the first time you're like oh this is so cool and then then you realize that you you're really just you know you're experiencing whatever's randomly going on you don't really have any impact on that but it it can be neat to see how that yeah. story unfolds. the style of
0: game kind of reminds me of it's it's got a similar feel to. The Plants vs. Zombies game. Did you ever play yeah. it? Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of where you're just trying to, you know, push back the invasion. You know, they're coming in, trying to push defense. Them back. And yeah. once in a while, you know, you, you kind of get hosed a little and somebody breaks through. I think if you like Plants vs. Zombies. There's, there's
1: more like decisions in Plants vs. Zombies, though, than, <laughs> okay. than this. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you at least, you know, what did you like decide what to buy? And it's been a while since I played it. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, in this one, you just, you've got, you've got what you've got. So it's like you, you know, you either have the the red knight or you don't You either. You know I mean? And then you either push him back or, or you don't. And, and this guy comes up or he doesn't. And then the blues randomly move or they don't. And, um, you know, again, it's like what you discard is usually pretty obvious. And what you trade for is usually pretty obvious. So it, there's these things that you, you, you kind of go through, but if you really take even a moment to think about it, it pretty much plays itself.
0: Yeah. You're just along for the ride,
1: but still can't wait to try it with my son. Um, can't wait to break the shrink on the expansion. And uh, I think it's staying, unless for some reason he hates it, which right now he pretty much loves every game he plays. It's it's still going to stay in my collection for quite some time. So, you know, maybe that's says something else about it. I don't know. So Castle Panic. Okay. So moving on, Defenders of the Realm. Hey, another co-op, right? Yep. So Defenders of the Realm, for anyone who doesn't know, is the, Richard Linnaeus game. Linnaeus. Now, a lot of people have been... Uh, no, a lot of people have been saying his name wrong. It's Linnaeus. Yeah, I like then everybody's
0: name. saying it wrong.
1: <laughs> yes, I'd like to put your names on purpose. Okay. Oh, I so, gotcha, I gotcha. Richard Linnaeus. Because last Linnaeus. episode it was Martin Vallas. I just want to yeah. see how many emails I'll get. Because <laughs> I, I didn't I say I was saying his name
0: wrong on purpose. Grammar police okay. will be in full force. Yeah,
1: you got to you you gotta you gotta throw them a bone. They have to feel useful. So Richard Linnaeus uh, did this game called Defenders of the Realm. And it, there was, a. I actually had just looked this up on BGG before the show because I was, I was going to like put this in the blast from the past segment. And then I realized like, unless there's like a typo, this only came out in 2010. So I don't know. For some reason, I feel like this was ages and ages ago, but I guess I'm just getting old. So that was only a few, few years back, relatively new game, I guess. But this came after pandemic and uh, there was a little bit of uh discussion at the time of whether he ripped off pandemic or not. And it's, you know, it's just pandemic you know with a couple little twists and stuff and well not as if anyone cares anymore i'm sure that that's long since buried I, i'm going to come down on the side that says that defenders of the realm is very worthy you know not, i'm not saying yet what i think of the game but it's very worthy to exist in and of its own right um, outside of pandemic uh, i do find it to be uh, uh, different in, a, in enough uh, interesting and unique ways that it, it's it, that to me it stands on its own as its own game so that aside. Uh, this was actually a game I had initially played solo. So this is one of the, now this was a, like back when I first got it, so this would be 2010. I'd. I'd uh, it might even be the last time I played solo. Because uh, as a, as an aside, we had that discussion last show, and apparently when you play a solo game for learning purposes, or for tuning a deck or stuff like that, most people seem to think that doesn't count as solo plays. Eh, maybe, maybe not, but the, the last time that I recall playing a solo game for the purpose of just playing it solo I think may have been Defenders of the Realm, so co-ops. Um, I thought it worked actually pretty well as a solo game. I think I had a lot of fun because it, there's a lot of see what happens, see if you can um, fight back the forces kind of thing. But um, in playing it since, and in playing it uh, recently again as part of that going back co-ops thing, and I had only played a two-player in this last instance with my wife, we didn't find that it worked very well is a multiplayer game um, for where we currently are in gaming because when you break it down it's pretty random there's there's dice rolls everywhere uh in random card draws and such and so you know my wife jen i think she missed three times in a row on a die roll and um you know the dragon movement just happened to line up with the right cards and be very accelerated and you know, the minion spreading randomness, um, to an extent, that one's more okay because the whole idea is to keep that in check. You know, the other, another problem we had is that quests still feel kind of silly to us. I've mean, never really paid a lot of attention to them and not really found them to be worth the time. And it's, it's sort of an unsatisfying way to win. And, and even sort of the general kills feel kind of silly for, for how you have to go about that with the group kill and and kind of get everybody involved, you know, uh, to go after it. So, but that aside, I guess my real negative with the game has always been, or even the series, is the art kind of sucks. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question here. You know, do you.
0: It's very plain. Well, I mean, it's. It's. It's it's, functional. It's it's just. It it could have been just a little bit better. I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, it has that sort of Photoshop shading sort of look. And. I mean, I like—is it Larry Elmore art? Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of a little bit of a retro. I mean, I don't mind the the art of the box cover and on on the character cards and stuff, but the actual board itself is just kind of okay in the way that the connections. I remember all the disappointment when the game first came out and the the game board was revealed, uh, and previously only people had seen the the cover and the character cards and such. But you know, be be that as it as it may, the, the thing. You know, the thing I guess the thing I really do like about the game is so the characters win by defeating the four generals. that's basically it. But at the same time, the game system has multiple ways of winning. So if the general, if any one of the four generals gets to Monarch City in the middle, that's almost like four ways of winning. Um, if, If you run out of any one minion color and need to place one, you know, because one of the four colors of minions have spread too much and you haven't kept that in check, if there's... 12 tainted crystals on the board which is when any one area gets uh like a fourth minion on average then you get this crystal and or if any five minions reach monarch city Um, so there's all these different ways that the game wins and that that is about the best thing of this co-op versus i mean I, i think if i didn't i meant to actually compare this when i was talking about atlantis rising which has like one way that the game wins I think a lot could be learned by this game if designers of co-ops look at it and realize that really helps the game work when there's all these different ways that the, the game system itself can, can win. Because then you really, it seems a little bit less like solving a puzzle and more, again, more like the tension point part of where you, there's all these things you want to do, but you can't do all of them. And there's ebb and flow. So we talked, yeah, you know what? I think I did make this point because in Atlantis Rising, we were talking about like it only ever gets worse. But in Defenders of the Realm, you can kind of overcome the minions at one point, but then you kind of need to gang up on the generals. So the minions sort of get a little bit more out of control. And it's like, can I kill the minion? Because the generals heal. So you, you do some blows and it's like, I don't think we're going to kill him in time before these minions get out of control or these crystals do, or we need to go, uh, go back and take care of that and then come back and, you know, do this guy. But then the other, you know, generals moving up. And so there's just all these different things that you're trying to do to, to accomplish at the same time. So it it can be overwhelming, but in 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 a effect, it's kind of the the point of the game. So, uh, another thing I actually I didn't like though was the generic minions. So they're all the same mold, and they're just different colors. Right, right. And so you have to remember that these guys are vampires and these guys are orcs. And when you've got miniatures, it just there's so many games with plastic pieces these days. I mean, to have one that's this new and doesn't have the individualized molds, I don't know. It just it, It's not good. It's not good because there's so many other options in this category. So that's definitely disappointing. Not that it really affects gameplay. They tried to fix that in the expansion by going you know, hey, now there's something else and they work slightly differently and so I guess that's one plus to the generic molds. Um, They actually did painted figures for the the heroes and generals at one point, but they weren't really well done painted repaints. So, you know, like they're always doing bundles now to kind of give them away at a a lower price. But, yeah, it's um, so... What you know again, so what I do like, the the hero deck tension between using special cards um versus say any general dice ability uh is is interesting. So the cards that you draw um you know can be used for multiple purposes. There's sometimes there's a movement thing that you can do. You can save those up, and those are basically how many dice you roll against a general. Um uh, you know, the, the, the special ability ones in particular, you do something useful, but then you also, they tend to be better ones for fighting generals and stuff. And so there's some tension points there. The idea behind the quest cards and rewards, even if I don't kind of like using them, I still think is kind of a neat addition to the game, the ability to place gates, uh, even though again, I, I don't, I don't probably quite use them as much as I should in the games that I've played, but it, it's still a, a neat thing that you can kind of try to link parts of the map together and move more efficiently through the gates and such. Uh, rumors at the end this was kind of a neat thing thematic one where you you can use this just to draw a lot of cards to defeat the generals and i I mean in a way uh, at least in our games again we've kind of abused that a little bit and used it to draw lots and lots of cards to do pretty well at the game but ultimately my vote comes down like this i like the game far more as a solo experience than i do playing it in a group really okay and, but it, yet it's not the right solo game for me because when I think fantasy, I want all the equipment, right? And, and that's why I want to play like the D and D game or a mage Knight. I mean, I want, I want, you know, fantasy swords and special armor and spells. And I want all of that typical fantasy stuff. Okay. And at the same time, if I'm going to play a battle game, then I'm going to play something more like, um, conquest of Nerath or something like that. I don't know, but it's good and it's not good. You know, I think when, for again, for me, it's just when, I, when we looked at the last game we played and we really went through it, analyzing it as we played it, and it, it really felt like it did come down to the randomness determining the game because we, we could do everything right. And, you know, again, Jen missed three dice rolls in a row, uh, in a row, um, three, you know, three turns where you just basically failed to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And at the same time, the, deck, the cards coming off the top of the deck... Um, it basically has to match up with what the next territory to move into is for that general, and it, it matched up three times in a row. And, and the, the combination of those two events just radically shortened the time that you had to, to sort of solve the game versus... It's kind of like the Urbania thing again. Versus, she could have gotten that die roll on the very first roll, and that very first card could have been the wrong card for the advancement of the general. And we'd have all this extra time in the game to to accomplish everything. Right. And And I just... I really had you know sort of took issue with that um for where we were at with the game which is a game that we've played or at least i've played a good number of times i i just felt like it, it's one of those games where you get to a point where i go i've kind of experienced the game now and uh, there's there's really nothing left for me in further plays no you know knowing at this point you know the the state of things so and it, there was you know there's other games in the, along this vein you know like zombie state is another sort of spin-off of pandemic uh, that had some neat twists and things. And, and that that one actually, <laughs> funny enough that I, I bring it up, I guess it worked better for me with multiple players than this one did. Um, so, so yeah, you know, the the it's a hard one for me to review. I think if I'm going to put a number to it, I give it a six. A six is that special rating I give to things where I said if I was a collector, it would be in my collection so that it basically is still a positive view of the game. Um, but I, I think it's more one that would sit on the shelf versus one I would pull out and play. <laughs> Uh, but but a way you know t- thinking about this for other people a way to increase that rating maybe for you would be yeah, if you're if you like the idea of pandemic uh, or if even if you solo play pandemic but you want sort of this fantasy themed one with has some of these other elements I described yeah it could it could potentially be fun as a solo experience and you know in the same in the same vein if you're an Ameritrash fan and you're I mean there there aren't a whole lot of co-op Ameritrash games that I know of beyond like Ravenloft and, th- and that series. So, uh, well, I guess Gears of War plays one too, but but in any case, uh, you know, maybe uh, again, uh, there's some uh, added interest there, but, uh, but realize there's quite a bit of randomness to the game. Um, the expansion does make it harder, but I don't think it ultimately, fundamentally changes anything with the Dragon expansion, and then there's some stuff I don't have, some collectible cards and stuff, so but I did uh I, I am interested there's a card game Defender of the Realm Battlefields or something along those lines I think it's called which I've got I had ordered on Kickstarter which is coming that um is uh themed in the same setting and uh you know you know perhaps um you know that'll be of interest so good game but one that I'm uh, passing along myself that's Defenders of the Realm
0: Okay moving on I played uh a couple things recently uh, the first one that I want to talk about is a game that I managed to pick up at uh, Barnes & Noble off of their little clearance table that they have with a red dot for fantastic savings. So this game is called Taiga, and it's a children's game, and it's actually kind of a, a neat twist on a couple of things. So uh, Taiga uh, is a type of forest uh, typically found up in like Canada, up in the northern hemispheres, and, you know, if you can picture a grizzly bear somewhere, <laughs> you can picture what a taiga looks like. So okay. what this game is, it's kind of a, a neat twist to a memory game where there are several different animals that are in this game. There's owls, beavers, uh, porcupines, and um, uh, what are they called? It's like a deer or a moose. It's kind of escaping me right now. Sorry. But uh, there's uh, these different animals and they're printed on these circular wooden discs and there's different animals on each side. Then you also have a series of cards. They're, you know, your standard, uh, you know, cardboard chit type of cards. And each one of those has an animal printed on it. And the illustrations on it are are really well done. They, They look really nice. It does come with a little bag and these little scoring tokens. I'm not really sure what these scoring tokens are made out of, but they really look like somebody just cut branches. So, you know, if you can, you know, slice a little branch into and make a little disc, that's exactly what it looks like. And I wouldn't doubt that that's what they are because the whole forest taiga type of theme, you know, is hmm. is so prevalent in the game. So what you do with this game is you arrange these animal discs in a circle on the table. And if there's more than three of any animal, you just flip it. You flip one of the token or one of the discs over to reveal another animal until you don't have four of any one kind of animal. And what you wind up doing as part of the game is you go through and you try to match. Well, let me backtrack one second here. I, I kind of missed a step. Uh, what you do is you flip one of those uh, animal cards up and you put it in the center of the circle of disks. And then that's the animal that you're shooting for. Let's say it's an owl, for example. Then what you want to do is you want to reveal all of the owls. And it's, it's basically a memory game where you go through and you try to figure out where the owls are hidden. And your move is to flip over one of the animal tokens. You just go through. So, what's interesting about the game in particular is that each disc has two different, I'll call it states, two different possibilities, because there's two different animals on it, one on either side. Whereas in a traditional matching game, each card or disc or whatnot is only one thing. So, you know, you flip it, you look at it, and you put it back down. Here, you're actually flipping them. So, It might be a beaver this time, and then it's an, you know, you flip it over and it shows you an owl. Now you have to remember what was on the other side. And it's really interesting. Uh, My wife and I uh, really loved it. Wendy loved it. Uh, My son, he was having a little bit of trouble with the game. And, you know, as much as we enjoyed the game, because, you know, regular matching games are a little too simple uh, for some adults. But uh, the thing that he was really struggling with was that he, Like, you know, if we were shooting for the owl, he wanted to turn over the owls that were already revealed. He was having a little bit of a hard time turning over something other than, I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's a concept that's, uh, you know, still being developed or whatnot. But uh, the game was really fun and and Blake really just annihilated us. I think the score wound up being something like 20 to 5 to 2 and that was me. Uh, with the two following in the in the trail there, so that's Taiga. It's it's kind of a fun little kitty matching game, very much a n- different twist to your typical matching game that you you know you might pick up. And it uh, is really well done. The components are excellent. the The wood used for the animals is is really nice. It comes with a little carrying bag where you can just throw everything in there. We we really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you know, what happens when we put it out on the table again. Then okay. the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Wendy and I played Dark Ages. We're both very big Dominion fans. And we've got pretty much uh, all of the expansions to, up to date here. And uh, Demi- or Dark Ages is one of the largest, or actually I believe it is the largest expansion. It comes with 35 uh, different cards. And oh, wow. the whole premise of this one is really utilizing the trash which is something that we haven't had a whole
1: lot which is which is why i, I should get it because i I love the trashing cards thinning the deck concept in most of these games well,
0: this uh, is actually it It kind of ups that a, a little more so
1: this thing well you fish things out of the trash i'm not so much a, a fan of that type yeah. of stuff Yeah.
0: Well, so what's interesting about this game is that what we actually did with this is we played uh, one of the recommended uh, card combinations that they had in the instruction yeah, manual. Always a good way to get started. Oh, yeah. So we played the first one in the list of uh, Dark Ages only, and it was really different. It, it had such a different feel from your normal Dominion game. I mean, whether it's any of the other expansions or you know a mix, you just shuffle everything all together. It's so different. It was very slow going. I don't know if we'll play the same card combination again. You know, we might try the other one or, you know, just do a random sort or a shuffle. But the the game took a long time and there was a lot of, of interesting card combinations where things happen when cards get trashed, both to the person that gets their card trashed and sometimes even to the person that's trashing the cards. Hmm. So, for example, I'll pull a card and, uh, you know, play it, and it says, you know, every opponent must trash a card if it's a knight, which is one of the cards. If it's a knight, then you lose this card. So, the person draws from the top of their deck. They have to draw two cards, actually. So, they decide which one they have to trash. And um, this particular, actually, there's a whole series of cards that have this, and it's usually a card costing between three and six. So if your cards are outside of that range, let's say you have the uh, coppers, they both would fall out of that range. But if you have a more expensive card, it would fall into that range. So you have to choose which one you want to discard. A lot of the cards will actually have, like, if you dis, if you trash this. Actually, I said discard. I meant trash. If you trash this card, gain three cards, or you know, gain a gold, or 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 do whatnot. So. A lot of times when you're forced to trash a card, you actually gain something. Or even when you willingly trash your own cards, you gain something, whether it's another card or additional draws off of your deck. It's, it's really interesting. It really changes the feel of the Dominion game a lot. It's kind of a welcome change. I'm, I'm really curious to see how some of the card com- other card combinations work. Um, there's a lot of writing on the cards, so this is something that you kind of got to get used to. A lot of the older Dominion expansions, you know, will have just some simple text or they'll say, you know, plus one gold, plus two golds, you know, plus one card.
1: Right. And, and isn't this the last big expansion ever?
0: It's probably the last big expansion, but I believe there's two more left.
1: Yeah. Smaller ones.
0: Right. And by smaller ones, maybe, you know, like alchemy sized or something.
1: And and then uh I thought they had said they're done with Dominion but they made you like a
0: spin-off game or something. Yeah. Like yeah. I believe that's correct. Dark Ages if you want to breathe some new life into Dominion, you know, cuz you know Dominion's been out for a while now, a lot of people, I'm sure, may might be a little tired of it. Uh Dark Ages probably will maybe rekindle some of that Dominion feel that you had initially.
1: Maybe the best one since Prosperity. Yeah,
0: um yeah, I I'd, I I'd, I'd pretty much agree with that. It's I I was really kind of I don't I I wasn't done with Dominion, but I kind of it every time Wendy wanted to play. I'm like, oh, not this again.
1: My prosperity is still in shrink.
2: So, um,
1: well, if you get Dark just, Ages, I've open just, that one and play it. <laughs> I think I'd open this one first. I, I I've just been um like uh, I've got the Thunderstone Advance, I, um which I've been enjoying, and the, there's a new Rune Age expansion, and I'm trying that and. I've just been spending time with other deck builders. But yeah, I mean Dominion stole something uh, that I enjoy. I was I was hoping that the app would come out and my wife and I would get more into the habit of playing it on the yeah. iOS and maybe that would get us kind of back into exploring uh, some of the expansions and cards and stuff that we hadn't used before uh, and played a lot with. So, but yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to respect Dominion and what it accomplishes from a more purely mechanical yeah, basis. Yeah, it's kind of a little, little less theme even though They've done a, a bit of a better job in some of the later expansions of, of of having some type of theme, but, you know, overall, it's still pretty weak compared to some of the other games out there um, these days. So in the theme category, that I is. think I'm certainly not in gameplay.
0: I think on BGG, if I remember right, the Dark Ages expansion was one of the highest rated and it is definitely well-deserved to Good. to get that. Yeah. And
1: so when when I get back to it, maybe I'll start with Prosperity I, I, I I I think a lot of people had, um, and initially anyway, that was the favorite one. So, and then, uh, maybe I'll, I'll add uh, dark ages.
0: And and the thing about dark ages also that we'll... I actually
1: really want to do that now that you're talking about it. Right. I was like, we, we just haven't really got yeah. to it, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, I've kind of, I've had like, seems like, uh, at least a year away from dominion. Uh, I haven't even played right. it even
0: once. Um, yeah. The one thing that dark ages definitely does change is the interaction because, you know, Dominion can be that. You know, your famous multiplayer solo, and yeah. Dark Ages. has well, kind not, of a, know, a zinger effect where you're you're kind of, it... you know, hitting the other player and they're losing cards out of their hand or they're discarding down to three. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And one of my I... try one of my tried and true strategies actually failed miserably. I don't know if it was just the card combinations or, or whatnot, but I sometimes we'll tend to go through and, you know, start hitting the money, you know, pretty hard up front and you just, you know, pile into cash in there and then you just start buying like the really expensive cards. I mean, I just could not get money for the entire game and really struggled and that really hurt me bad. So it, there is a pretty good chance that, you know, if you have these strategies that tend to work a lot, they might not work with Dark Ages. So you'll have to reinvent your strategies. So that was Dark Ages.
1: Well, then, um, since we uh, were talking about some of the kid games that we got played, I thought I'd uh, talk about a couple other ones that we uh, played recently. I think your son and mine both. Yes, sir. Um, Most of these, anyway. Um, So we'll talk about um, three of them briefly here. The first one is called Pengoloo by uh, Blue Orange Games. Now, this is one where uh, normally I'm I'm kind of the snob, I guess you'd say, or... I mean, at least to say, I have eighty some Haba games. That's Haba, so not most
0: Haba. Yes,
2: I said Haba. I <laughs> know
1: Haba. I forgot. I'm supposed to intentionally butcher this stuff, so we have uh our our grammar police it's friends a heavy can correct age. Me. Haba. Yeah, the Haba games. So anyway, with the Haba games, uh, you know, they're all known for the good component quality, the wooden bits and stuff, and so that's the the thing that really attracted me to this Pengoloo game. I, I noticed they have a little a like, clear a window in the box and you know there's this little wooden penguin there um, which look, looks pretty well done you know it's painted it's got a, a nose an orange nose and everything and so you know i, I um, also see clearly on the front of the box that there's tons of these things so you get 12 of these wooden penguins and then there's little like, kind of like eggs colored eggs that they sit on and cover up and so it's um i, I mean a bit of a memory game like a lot of uh, games for four, four and up but this one i like and I like it for the following reason is you'll roll two dice and they, they're colored dice you know, with colored sides. And basically, let's say you roll a, a blue and a yellow. Now you have two tries. Um, it's good for me because I'm not, you know, I'm not good at memory games like young kids, right? And so you have two tries and you have two things to match. So it kind of makes the game uh, more, uh, you know, more approachable. So so I roll blue and yellow. I'm, I'm looking for either, you know, there's two blues and two yellows. So there's four chances out of the 12 that I'm going to find one of the ones I need. And if I I find one, I take one penguin. If I find two, I take two penguins and I get to take another turn then. So there is a benefit to getting both of them right. And then it's basically the first person to six. But just as one of these games, is really simple rules like that. There's not much more to it than that. Um, But it's a good game for very young children. You know, three, three and a half, four year olds could play this. Um, Still, um, you know, as interesting as, as possible, you know, for a memory game for an adult. And just really, really nice components that then you can kind of let them play with as toys a little bit at the end type of thing my son loves penguins so
0: how could you um, not
1: yeah in fact I, I, we were having trouble getting him interested in the other games <laughs> that we were playing because he he wanted to do you know play time with the, with the penguins uh, at that point so so anyway something that might be worth checking out especially if your uh, little one uh, loves penguins as as mine uh, does so that's a uh, pengaloo so then um in the Haba, Haba category there's this little uh, and i don't have many of these in fact, actually, this is the only one. There's these tiny little ones they put out now. And this is one called At Full Throttle. And this game is made for, let's see what it says on here, ages 5 through 99. And this is a, an interesting little game. It's, it's in their travel series that are just these really small, small little boxes, even smaller than the, what most people know of as the small hobble boxes. Uh, and basically, you get six little wooden cars, uh, and they're real pretty tiny, a die, with colors on it, and then this deck of cards. And there's a, a, a simple deck of cards which are yellow and a more complicated deck which are red. And uh, in, the, in the simplest version of the game, you basically just lay out three colors. And there's these race cars that are connected. Uh, one race car is connected to another race car on that card. And the idea is you're going to roll the die and, and you know yell go. And let's say uh, it rolls a red. And you're going to start with the first card and follow the red car to whatever color card uh, car it's connected to. And then you're going to go to the second card and take then that color and follow that one through. And then you're going to take that end color there and go to the third card and follow that one. And they're all, you know, kind of squiggly lines. And then basically you yell out the color that the, you know, the the final path went to. And the idea is to do this as fast as possible without spending too much time, making sure you don't get lost in the turns. And then, you know, it's kind of like calling bingo, right? Then you go back and check slowly kind of if the person was right. And if so, they get that colored car, you know, there's different variations on that part. And then of course there's more complicated ones that are like super squiggly and such, and and basically that's the game. So it's, uh, you know, it's just a nice little car themed game. I I basically went out a couple a couple years back and got every car themed game I could find from Haba because my son loves cars and such. So. And they now that said, I don't think either one of our sons did particularly well at the game, right? So (laughs) it does say ages five to ninety nine. So at 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 your your son's just now four and. Uh, my son's, uh, you know, not yet four, so uh, it's a, maybe a little rougher. For, for some reason, um, they all want to turn, you know, corners and stuff. <laughs> yeah. When when following those paths, you know,
0: so you start playing the game, and then they're playing by their own rules. Yeah,
1: but um, you know, it's inexpensive. Might be you know, might be worth checking out. So that was uh, at full throttle. Okay, so moving on. The last one, similarly titled, it's called Hit the Throttle. So this is in the the normal little sort of somewhat similar to Citadels type uh, size box. uh, A little bit bigger. This has much chunkier wooden cars uh, and a little racetrack that you put together and uh, two dice with with colored sides. And then a whole bunch of uh, wooden cards, I guess you'd call it. Cardboard cards. And what you'll do is each player at the beginning of the game will take one of these cardboard cards and there's two colored cards pictured. So maybe like red and yellow. And you'll keep that hidden. So that's the first thing that makes it challenging with real young players but we actually played with open information and had fun Uh, but but in the in the correct way you'll play with it hidden and then knowing that you have red and yellow actually i said that wrong there's three dice in the game right so you'll roll all three dice and uh, maybe you'll get red white and and blue okay so then you choose one of the colors you've rolled and advance that car along the track like many of these race games but that's the trick here the trick is you want both of those cars to pass the finish line for you to win. And when you first roll three dice and choose one, now you'll re-roll the other two and choose one from those two to advance. And then you'll re-roll that last die and you're stuck advancing whatever one that is. So you can see the odds are interesting there because there's two that you're trying to, you know, move forward and you have the best chances the first roll, less so, and then kind of a random one. And you're not entirely trying to let anyone know which one you're backing Again, like other games, but this is an interesting sort of twist on it uh, because there's two of them. So when you do have that choice of, okay, this this roll, obviously, I'm going to move red, perhaps, unless I've moved red too much to where you would know that. Uh, and, and then my next roll, maybe I get green and purple, of which I, neither one of those is mine. So now I would look at the position and maybe I move green because it's the farthest back, or maybe I move green even though it's forward because I'm pretty darn sure that you're not green, that type of thing. And then, you know, basically whoever, you know, Gets both of them past the finish line first. Yells, "Hit the throttle!" and um, and they win. So, a uh, fun little game. Yeah,
0: yeah. Haba makes some fantastic little like kiddie car games. I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah, and
1: some of them some of them have kind of lame twists on you know these standard sort of mechanics, and other ones are, are pretty neat and innovative for a kids game. And I like this one. I like what they did with it. I've got i I've actually got a lot of these games with the racing racing turtles and racing cars and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, of course, Monza was the other one we've talked about a lot okay. where, uh, where you choose colors and stuff along the path and that one works really good. And then, you know, there's other ones we'll, we'll talk about other times, but, uh, but this is definitely a good one. This one's still in print. It can still be, uh, had, um, and I, and I actually found it fun, um, as an adult too, that, you know, that, because there are some, at least you're making choices. And that was one thing I've looked for, even in, in four-year-old games and such, uh, to really look at the ones where, um, there's a, you know, my son has to at least make a decision that' is, it's it doesn't completely play itself like too many kids' games right. do um and so you know I could even see like with uh with your son Blake, though he was there, there were at times he he understood the decision and why and at times he wasn't you know he, he was he was kind of challenged at right. that, and that's i think that's exactly what you want to um you know to be at where the where the game has some it's not just completely irrelevant like oh, exactly do,
0: so. and so I, I can also add that. The worst Taba game is still better than Cars Sliders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: or Angry oh. Birds Space.
0: Have you ever done so. car Sliders?
1: No, I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to skip right to the, the Caraba- Carabande or yeah. uh, whatever it's
0: called. Yeah. Um, Cars, actually, it's Cars 2 Sliders. Was, oh, it's
1: on my. It's still on my wish list. I figured if it, I ever can find it for take it like off a minute. Immediately take I know. it off right now.
0: Delete it right now.
1: <laughs> But it has obstacles and cool stuff like that. Yeah, it's. I guess I could make I could make obstacles for uh, Pitch Car is is the other name for I that mean, game, right? The 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 nicely made one. But even people complain about those, like the tiles not lining up and such. But but I, yeah, I know that cars as it's because it's flimsy and whatnot. Yeah, it's, we, we talked about that. And my so.
0: son loves the game, loves it. My wife Wendy and I, we just cringe every time he goes. Let's play Car Sliders, and it's like no. Mm. <laughs> It's like, how about I take you to the store and you buy, I buy you a new toy? He's like, no, I want to play car sliders. How about ice cream? No, I want car sliders. It, it's just such a chore to set that game up. And the cardboard tends to wear out at the corners and get, lose its oh, stiffness. Yeah. And yeah, it's car sliders. Get Pitch Car. Pitch Car Mini or whatever.
1: Oh, I'm going to get the full size one. It's just it's really expensive and he's not quite ready for it. So at some point. You. Alright, so moving on to our game lust section. I've got a game that uh actually kinda kinda hit me out of nowhere. I hadn't even otherwise heard of this one that I'm now sp- sort of super excited about. And uh, I haven't talked about the base game. This is an expansion for a game called Carson City. Do you have this I do game? No. How do you not have Carson City? So I'm gonna throw it out and just go, um this is one of the games I haven't talked about. I'll talk about it at some point more at length, but uh it's a perfect ten for me. I'm gonna. I gotta go ahead and and re-rate it on BGG, but it is as close to the Sim City game, uh, scratching that itch as I've found to date. And at the same time, it's worker placement, so it's kind of you know woohoo in both categories. But you're actually placing roads down and connecting buildings, and um, that's very satisfying. The way your buildings build off of other buildings that are adjacent to it, kind of in a like better than glenmore Moore kind of okay. way. So we were talking about reasons I I didn't like or didn't love that game. Maybe it's because, again, there were other games that I liked that did a lot of that thing and other things better. And so that one aspect of it, I like the way that tiles play off of other tiles in uh, Carson City much, much better. And at the same time, there's a whole track uh, where you place workers. You can place workers on this track, sort of a la Calis is what it always gets compared to. But at the same time, you can place in the actual map area. And now, the one reason why, in some cases, the game's a little underrated is by the classic rules, there are duels. So if you place a worker where another worker is, you actually have a little gunfight and you roll dice and you add tokens and and one worker kind of dies and the other worker wins and gets the action on that space. Although there is a a remediating uh, ability, you know, you, you, you then get an extra guy, you know, so there isn't, it isn't awful for the person that loses. You do get um, to play like an extra um, action or whatever it was. So it's been a while since I've played, but I played a lot when I did play. And um, as a game, I still very, very much am fond of. And at the same time, there was one of these games that was built in a ton of variants, and uh, I really like that. So it was almost like a construction system because the, uh, in addition to everything I just mentioned, you you actually do role selection. So again, a la uh, Citadels or, or Puerto Rico and stuff. So you start out the turn selecting a role, and you play place workers, and you build a city, and yet the rules aren't ent- entirely all that lengthy. And so that's, to me, why Carson City is a beautiful, great, great game. Um, but back to the variations built in, you can flip over those personalities and there's a introductory side was the yellow side, but then there's advanced versions, the red versions, I guess average opinion is the red versions are better balanced, but you know, and that's what experienced players are going to use. But if there's certain ones you like and certain ones you don't like, you can mix it up and do combinations of them and kind of create the game, your own way, if you don't like the dice rolling, there's an included variant that gives you kind of numbered tiles and you place those instead of rolling dice. So you choose when you want to play the higher one or the lower one, there's Um, uh, like a, like a a river variant. There's, you know, there's just a bunch of stuff that's included in the base game. Well, now they've announced there's Carson City Golden Guns, which is a whole set of uh, additional expansions for Carson City. And it includes uh, most of all this Indian, which was, this was back in the day, not that long ago, but a couple, you know, 2009-ish or whatever, when promos weren't quite as prevalent as they are now. And a lot of people don't have the real actual Indian, uh, which was, which was the, the original promo. So that's included in this set. You also get the singer, the prospector, the auctioneer, and, uh, there's a, uh, what's the other one called? Okay. So there's the auctioneer, there's the gunsmith, and, uh, you know, there's different, there's two, two sides to all of these. Again, and they do neat new things. Um, in addition, I think then there's also, there's even two more than that. Uh, there's a, a, a doctor who, who the flip side's the undertaker and, uh, then there's also uh, like a go- an actual governor, and that, that receives stuff. And then there's new building tiles. So classically, you know, there were prisons and churches and farms and um, saloons and whatnot. Well, in this one, there's a couple special buildings. You have a station where you're trying to build a uh, a road which crosses the whole map in a straight line. There's a a school where uh, when you build it, you get you build like three houses and such. There's a general store which. Um, has a, a twist, there's a blacksmith, there's city hall, uh, and then on top of that, so then that's all like the new stuff that's included. And then there's now almost like another variation called outlaws, where if you were playing, maybe you're playing in a group that doesn't like to do a lot of attacks, which will happen some, you know, people play real passively and nobody really challenges anyone else. You can play with this outlaw uh setup where outlaws kind of come out in groups and challenge different positions on the map and render those places. Uh, useless or you can go and fight them you gain victory points so now there's kind of a reason to do other stuff than just fight other players sort of like fighting the system and such Uh, earning victory points that way or even what they whatever building they were robbing now you can rob and so forth and uh, there's just a lot in this game that sounds like for any fans of Carson City um, it's going to add a a lot of interesting new variations and um, the only negative there had to be a negative right? Um, yeah there's always a negative It's not a negative for me, but actually I have no problem with this, but it's a negative for a lot of people is it's going to be a very limited release. In fact, so limited that um, at least as of now, they're implying like Eagle Games who had put out the English Carson City is not going to be printing it. And they basically have said on their website that um, they're going to be the only publishers of this and it's only going to be available at Essen or for um, pre-order through the internet direct from their website like now, as you're listening to this, you better go order it. And you're, of course, you're going to have to pay international shipping, which is probably 15 to 20 bucks for the title. And, uh, so, you know, expect that. Now on the positive side, the game itself is pretty reasonably priced. I, I want to say it's going to, it's going to run you like, you know, 40, 45 bucks with shipping, um, you know, game and shipping to the U S. So it's not too bad when you think about it, you know, the expansion itself fairly, um, reasonable for for everything you're getting and you know mostly you're just you know unfortunately paying for the, the privilege of getting it across the pond so um, but I, from everything that I see yes there's a lot to explore in the basic game but the, like I said the whole the very nature of the game and part of the beauty of the game is some of the different options and stuff you do have to change it up one place to the next oh and I totally forgot there's actually a sheet that you can buy or download. I uh, actually bought one, but that lets you customize the starting setup of the game. And so each player can tune the starting, you know, whether it's the money or the pistols or these other things, you kind of fill out a sheet and spend points. It's almost like creating character in a, in a, you know, role-playing game. And you decide how you want to start the game with the, the way that you want to do your strategy. And so that's another option. And so it's, it, you know, where else in a worker placement game and a thematic one at that, which is I've like, we talked about Revolver, right? Right, right. Um, and being the old West thing and Carson city is the one that's ruined me on, on Western games because I find it very well themed and yet it delivers and that worker placement elements and these other elements. And then uh, some of these other Western games come along, a lot of them on Kickstarter and stuff. And they're just like, eh, you know, kind of just okay. Or even Deadwood from FFG, which was, which was good, but just compared to Carson city, you know, it's like, if I want the Western theme. I'm going to play Carson city. And likewise, if I want to play a really fast, game and have that theme, then Revolver kind of fits at that opposite end. And so it's, this is a rough one. I mean, I'm not a huge Wild West fan, which is another bonus to both games. It's not really my thing at all, in fact. Um, And I'm not sure how many Wild West games I need when I've got these two that I really like at kind of opposite extremes. So, um, so, you know, on one hand, check out Carson City. They're also reprinting that. They never reprint these, what they call master editions, but they're making an exception for Carson City uh, and doing what they call the fourth edition printing. So another chance to pick up that uh, multilingual version, you can pre-order that off the website too in a bundle with the expansion or the expansion by itself. Uh, interestingly enough, on a similar note, since I'm you know, giving them free advertisement, I guess here, I also noticed they were reprinting homesteaders, which I thought was interesting. Now, I don't know if that's improved components. I know there was originally a lot of component issues with that one. Maybe that's more for the European market, but I just saw that out on their website too. What is the name of the company? Quind Games. Okay, so, um, so that's uh, so that was Carson City Golden Guns by Xavier, Jorge's, I believe is how you say it, or Georges. It's got to be Jorge's, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. What can you do? Um, so by uh, this this uh, nice guy Xavier, um, from Quind Games. Quind Games is the publisher, so it's their website. You can get this on uh, now. Um. Xavier, for those who don't know, is better known in modern times for Trois, Interne. Uh, believe it or not. I mean, Royal Palace back in the day. So I don't think a lot of people realize that he had a, a what was at the time, a pretty monster hit game. Um, Carson City, tons and tons of talk about it when it was first out. Um, and then he went on to do Trois, which is, you know, a very well-received game. But uh, it's still, um, Carson City still ranks in at 152 on on BGG, of best games uh period and uh 100 in the strategy game rank so pretty respectable considering uh it, the default way is rolling dice for combat uh, i think that that just shows and of course 80 votes says it's recommended with two through five so uh it seems to be pretty well received that it plays well with all player counts. i'd agree with that 90 minutes average playing time best with four yeah and i and i would agree with that too it is a little bit better with four because of the current kind of fighting thing that that'll come up in that so uh, you know, it's really neat to see the whole board fill in with all the, di- with basically the town and watch the town grow. It starts at this tiny little thing in the center and kind of grows out. And, uh, early in the game, you have ranches that, um, get, you get more by having the open land around you. And then in time those fills in, it fills in with houses and, and, uh, hotels and things and, you know, eating into the ranch property and, uh, just the, the whole way that the, 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 story evolves and stuff is, is interesting in the city. You know, you get that kind of Sim City feel to it the road kind of ever expands out, you know, initially there's no roads out to this ranch and such. And I just, it's just, um, I, I really find the theme works well. Again, I really enjoy the game. Super excited. There's an expansion and more people will be uh, rediscovering the base game and, and all of that. So uh, highly, highly recommended uh, perfect 10, the base game anyway, that's Carson city and uh, the expansion Carson city gold and gold and something Dunks, golden. Yes. And <laughs> the expansion Carson city, Gold and Guns. Okay. How about you, Rob? What have you been lusting after? That was a long yes, one for me. And
0: for me, uh, Game Gameless This Week is for a uh, blast from the past for me, and it's a game called Dungeon.
1: Dungeon? Never Dungeon. heard
0: of it. Like Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, rumor has it that the story behind this game initially was, you know, Dungeons and Dragons was all the rage back in, what, 70s and 80s. And they... W-
1: how about now? It's pretty big true? now too. Very true. Well, maybe a thing called Pathfinder. I guess the board games are probably bigger than, yeah. I don't know. My, my local, my local store has, uh but yeah, they play, they play D and D down at, uh, at the wandering dragon store when I'm actually on the same night, when I'm there uh, Wednesday night for any local people, woo-hoo, um come out to board game night at the wandering dragon. And if you, if you hate board gaming or you want to um, role play and, uh, and uh, look over at us having fun with board games, then uh, we, they do that on Wednesday nights as well. So, Anyway, you were saying, as I was saying,
0: so rumor has it that they wanted to have some kind of board game experience from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and out of that effort came Dungeon. So it's a game that's rated for eight plus. Uh, It's kind of an interesting take on games because it's sort of like a roll and move kind of game, although you don't really roll to move. (laughs) Nice explanation there, huh?
1: I have to say I have to say from a modern perspective it sounds yeah. awful so is this going to be a game that only appeals to those perhaps like yourself who has the, who have the nostalgia of playing I the old version sure that
0: there definitely is a lot of this and or are they reworking
1: it possibly as a as a variant and maybe there, modernizing there are some, some things changes to it
0: so the original oh, game came out in 1975 i believe and then uh, it got re-released in 80 or 81 and that's the version that i have mm-hmm. it's it's actually one of the games that still has survived from my childhood years. I did not pitch it. So, oh, nice. Uh, I've actually got it. It's, it's sitting on a shelf, maybe about 30 feet away from me, and it's been there I'm for years. I'm thinking you should
1: eBay it. Delete this segment, <laughs> eBay it before and it get loses $12 its value. for it. Uh.
0: And so, uh, basically, what this game is, is you play one of a number of different classes of adventures, and you're going. Through a dungeon, you're adventuring and you're fighting monsters and collecting treasure. The first person to go through all the different uh, areas and collects ten thousand treasure, or ten thousand gold Mm -hmm. coins worth of treasure, and you get back to the start, you are the winner. So there's uh, six different levels with increasingly harder monsters, and you go through uh, each move. You can, roll, you can move anywhere between one to five spaces. It's kind of up to you. And the different uh, adventures have different abilities. Like one might be able to find secret doors better than others. You know, the one will be better at fighting monsters, etc. And uh, the monsters and the treasures are all cards. So, you know, each level will have, you know, a stack of monster and treasure cards. Uh, to fight monsters, you roll two dice and uh, you also roll those dice uh, to be attacked by monsters. Uh, it's, you know, definitely not the game to compare to any euro <laughs> by any means. Mm-hmm. But sure. the game is light and it's fun. And I remember uh, my friends and I were probably early teens, maybe, maybe even pre-teens or whatnot at the time. We just love this game. We just play it over and over. It's got a surprisingly long playing time. I want to say it it plays up to about an hour. And by surprisingly long, I mean for this style of game. The new version that's being done by Wizards of the Coast has uh, all new graphics to the board. So it's really redone uh, very, very nicely. They've released some images of the instruction set, which kind of details everything. And it, it really shows you like the components are... Yeah, you know, they've definitely been 2012 uh, <laughs> So instead of having you know the kind of plain graphics and art style from 30 years ago, or if not longer, almost wait, 40 years ago. Yeah, almost 40 years ago.
1: Hey, don't remind me how yeah. old we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, 30, 40 years. More than 20 yes, years ago. More than three years. Let's let's stick with that one. <laughs> I mean, it has definitely been updated, and it looks pretty. Uh, the original game had pawns for the characters. Now they're, I don't know what you would call them, stand-ups? I don't think
1: I ever played this game.
0: It, it's fun. I mean...
1: Which I find odd because surely tons of people I knew had it. I don't know. for you, some reason... You think they did? I, I mean, I have I have other Dungeons & Dragons board games that they had right. released, like uh, m- more towards the 90s, I think, because I wasn't actually into D&D until around the 90s, late 80s, 90s, and they had like the the new easy to master Dungeons and Dragons, which was Mm -hmm. was played as a board game, but it was it was kind of um, I mean it had little stand ups and stuff, and um, I mean it's it's built as a board game anyway. I had I I had games like that that I played a ton of, and um, there were kind of variants to it. And I know there was you know Dungeon Quest and other fluffy ones, and of course Warhammer Quest came later, but Dungeon itself. It's, it's one of those I can't, I, I mean, I know I saw it tons of, around or whatever, like in magazines and stuff, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I ever actually played it, so.
0: Well, maybe I'll have to I bring it you'll over you, one day and you can check yeah, it out. Yeah, you'll have
1: to let me know, like, is it, is it any fun? I'm, I'm actually kind of uh,
0: scared now thinking about uh, opening I think box. you talked about that on our first I, I
1: show that you were like scared to like ruin your memory of I mean, the there's, game. there's by some of that and going back and I playing I need to it. like
0: open the, the box and it's like molded or because i it literally probably oh is. wait wait
1: okay now looking at the game board i can tell you with absolute certainty i've never okay. played the game it in no way like jogs my memory it that uh, uh, actually looks is it is it's like little buildings and stuff and roads that connected and uh, it's yellow yellow tracks and, and
0: stuff. they're all different rooms it's a dungeon and this like is supposed to
1: be like underground yeah. actually looks kind of cool um that way i like i remember like definitely with online video games there was always like Lots of rooms and yes. most of the, uh, but but yet with passageways. And most of the board games seem to go one extreme or the other. It's either all these cavernous passageways or it's all these perfectly square rooms and, uh, you know, set up in perfect geometric patterns. And I, I like this board that it's sort of more chaotic. Oh, yeah. It's... But yet there's clumps of things. Now, what what's the purpose of like the blue buildings versus the red buildings? Do you recall? There are different
0: levels, there's six different levels of monsters. So where you start yeah, off so like it's you know they're a, the easiest to defeat. Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, so so yeah, I mean this is definitely I'm uh, po- that's as positive as I've been. I've never played this game.
0: Yeah, so you know Wizards is re- Well, it's like a like a classic game like yeah, Well, I, feel, I don't I feel if it's left classic out to everybody. It's classic to me.
1: Well, a lot of people. I have heard a lot of people talk about having oh. played it and stuff. I mean, it was Parker Brothers at one point, right? Uh, I mean, so i sure. have was, to look at the box. Well, BGG says one of the publishers was Parker I'm Brothers at it. one point. So that means it was more widely available, at least at, at, at some point with some edition. Oh, yeah, because I mean, if, uh, if I got
0: my hands on it, it was either from Toys R Us or Kmart. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So you're going to get the game or you have it on preload? No, no. Are you going to buy I, it? Wizards of the I'm Coast? I'm
0: definitely looking forward to uh, picking it up. I'm pretty sure I will pick it up at some point. It's tentatively scheduled to release next month in October. So around mid-month, and the rumor has it...
1: I mean, you never know when a game like that's going to disappear, too. I mean, I, I, I picked up space all purely on nostalgia. It was one of the right. games I used to love, and I, and I found I still love it. Uh, and I, I still find depth where some others don't. And I, st- I st- still to this day, it's my example of, you know, half the people complain that it, the, the, the gene-stealers always win, and the other half complain that the space marine always wins. And it's like, they can't both be right. Mm-hmm. So... Clearly there's some, some depth to the game once you explore it further. And, uh, that's another just perfect 10 game for me. I just, a simpler thematic tactical experience. So, um, so I, I would think, you know, you should
0: probably, yeah. Okay. You sold me on it.
1: Well, I just want to play it. I don't <laughs> want to play the old version and, and I don't know anything about it. So I don't want to waste my money on it. And, oh, did I say that?
2: On
0: yeah, that? you did. And well, rumor has it that, uh, the game is only going to be $20, and if that's MSRP, really, that, that's oh, going to be fantastic. So
1: maybe they will get it into um big box stores and stuff and it'll show I up would at Target be and other places. I mean, you know, and in a way, it doesn't say Dungeons and Dragons on it, it says right? It's Dungeons, as far it, as I know. It might yeah, it might actually sell better because of that because there is a you know, I think there always is a little bit of a stigma against the whole Dungeons and Dragons title. You know, like like a mom or grandma picks it up, oh, Dungeons and Dragons. yeah, I don't know, that's a little my grandson's not a geek, so you know, he's not into Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, a game that's just called dungeon. Who knows? Oh,
0: for Sure. So that's dungeon. And that's my game lust game for this week.
1: I think that wraps up another show. It does. does it wow. See, I knew it was going to be the best 22nd episode we've
0: yep. ever done. So I guess, uh, let's take it out then. So there goes, uh, the best episode 22 that we've ever had.
1: <laughs> Visit our website, www thisboardgamelife.com, or email us at contact at thisboardgamelife.com.
0: You can also send us a voicemail at 754-444-TBGL, which is 8245, and we'll play your message on the show. Uh, We also have a guild up on BGG where you can participate in our community, and we also have a blog section on BGG.
1: And don't forget there's a Facebook Facebook group we're getting started up called This Board Game Life. Also a Twitter account called T Board Game Life. And uh we do appreciate if you rate us on iTunes, please, please, please. Or Stitcher, whatever um whatever method you use.
0: My, my name is Rob. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch y'all next week. This
1: episode was recorded on September twenty sixth.